welcome to the Dojo Talk Podcast. Please remove them shoes before entry. Sam Master is here, and you still have not taken off your shoes. I would take Stokes over TJ. Oh, man. I, it depends on the rules, actually. It depends on the rule set. Backyard, just surrounded by grass, unlimited would, time. Would Stokes versus TJ in the backyard, or even in the front yard, would that be a bigger MMA event than Scott Ferrozo against Tank Abbott in somebody's uh, vineyard? I try to forget about that. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Start recording now. Let's start. Yeah. Oh, this whole thing's been recorded. Perfect. Perfect. I'm glad that it's in there. I was trying to think where do I want to start. You've already started. (laughs) I guess so. We'll we'll just go. (laughs) I mean, I'm just kind of thinking about it now in my head. Oh, man. Welcome to the latest edition of the Dojo Talk Podcast. We're on episode number 97. Man. Um, as you guys can hear, um, yeah, we've been recording for nearly an hour, about 43 minutes <laughs> before this episode even started. Um, I'm your host, Serial Sensei. I'm joined with the Anti-Cool, and we are also joined with Joey. Um, how's, how's everybody doing? I'm... I'm, I'm still fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm sick, and uh, I got bit by a spider, so I'm good. Oh, man. Okay, yeah. So, just so you guys know, um, I guess all three of us have not had the best, uh, like, last couple of days. Um, I lost my, my head. I didn't lose my headphones. I left my headphones at work, so I'm recording now with my backup pair of headphones, which I can only hear out of the right side of my ear. So, um... That's not fun. And my job made me go to a mandatory meeting on Sunday, which is normally my off day. So I've just been in kind of a bitter mood, like, all weekend. Um, I just punched my mic. Perfect. So, yeah, this week has not has not gotten off to the uh, the best start. But Joey got bit by a spider, so I think he one-upped me on that one. Yeah. Um, no bees, though. I got uh, bees, are, bees and I are okay. There we go. And... Antaku, you uh, got got caught with a, a speeding ticket. Um, so yeah, he may have passed on because I haven't heard him for the. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Right. You know, you know what it was. You brought up the, the the Tank Abbott backyard fight. Yeah. And then I remembered the Kimbo Slice Sean Gannon basement fight. Oh god. Kimbo's that, now. Go ahead. Go ahead. And then I remembered that Sean Gannon fought in the UFC. Oh, I see. So it was like a loophole. <laughs> well, so did well, I thought well, Sean so Gannon and Kimbo was in like a gym, though. I'm sorry. Or am, I th- or am I thinking of another fight? They did fight in a gym. Didn't they fight in a gym? Or... Did they fight in a gym, or did yeah, they yeah. fight like somebody's basement? No, nah, that was in a gym because like the, that wasn't, the gym. wasn't the floor the floor was padded, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. They fought in the Hammer House. I think we've confirmed it now. Ah, uh, okay. Okay, but 
Basement sounds better anyway. Though. It's it's unfortunate Kimbo has passed, but now I'm imagining like the Sakuraba tag team grappling thing. So like Kimbo and Scott Ferrozo against Tank Abbott and and Sean Gannon and like the and <laughs> <laughs> like Sakuraba's wacky Royal Rumble Survivor Series style, like grappling tournament. Oh boy. So oh. wait a minute, hold on then. Was Scott Ferrozo Tank Abbott the first ever BBQ fight, like the of our BBQ fight league? Oh man, yeah, that might have been the. That might have been like the catalyst. I mean, like, I can't, I can't think of two, two more deserving, <laughs> <laughs> two more deserving, two more fitting gentlemen. Exactly. <laughs> oh man, barbecue fight league. We, yeah, we, this might have to be a real thing. We, we might have to. Um, yeah, we'll have to invite them to like the first event, and they'll they they don't have to pay for entry. Um, they do have to pay for food, though. Yeah, I'm everybody. Not, has to pay I'm for not food. fucking. No, you gotta you gotta it. bring you gotta bring your own. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll figure it out though. Our barbecue fight league is, is that's gonna be a real thing at some point, and we'll be terrible people for making it, but you'll watch it. So that's MMA, isn't it? Dude, has anybody yeah. done a Kickstarter back like uh, uh, fight event? No. <laughs> Let's find out. Oh man. <laughs> Go ahead, you guys you guys you guys kill some kill some time. Oh man. Oh right, yeah, <laughs> while while you're while you're researching that, um since we didn't do it last week, uh we'll run through the top cities for listeners. Uh coming in at number one, San Francisco, California, coming in at number two, Los Angeles, California. Coming in at number three, we got Juneau, Alaska, coming in hey. at number four. Mountain View, California, and coming in at number five, uh, Circleville, Ohio, and just outside number five was uh, London in the UK. Hey. So thank you guys uh, for listening. Um, as always, you can listen to us on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes. If you want iTunes, please rate and subscribe. Send questions to Dojo Talk Podcast at yahoo.com, um, and follow me on Twitter at Serial Sensei. And you can hit us up also on the Dojo Talk Podcast Facebook page, which if you just go to Facebook, just type in Dojo Talk Podcast, and you can find us there also. Um, did you find it? Are there any? I've got one. You got one? Pakistani MMA Fighting Alliance. Yes! No. I know, wait, I know those guys. P-A-K MMA? Yes, they, dude, they used to be on, um... Dude, they used to be on like Sure Dog and Tumblr and shit. Oh, they're here. Um, but I remember because I was like, I wonder what like if there's MMA in the Middle East and like they had like a Vice special and everything like that about um uh about the league and everything. And then eventually they their um their owner fought and won like in the early days of one championship. He fought for them. Sweet, good. So are they still? Do they still like? put on shows i don't know but mm, this is from 2013 and yeah, they got one thousand dollars of their ten thousand dollar goal that's hmm. admirable <laughs> but the, the, what would the, be the barbecue league goal like what's what's our startup fee? Um, how much do you think we need keep in mind we, we have to pay for for food um if i know somebody who lives in i know somebody who lives in the carbon complex we can just borrow like their they can rent out the grill <laughs> no but like hold on if i remember correctly and i might not i might not remember correctly the barbecue fight league theme was you get the grill like if you you have to 
if I remember correctly, it was you. I know you, fight. Get the, you get the grill and the girl. You get the grill. Yeah, the and grill you get and your, you get the wife. Yeah, and you take your opponent's wife and kids. <laughs> well, I mean, if it's a tournament, are you really like you're gonna end up with like eight wives? Like, that's a lot of money. And <laughs> it's a lot of we'll money. We'll 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 work out the. Uh... <laughs> also, that assumes these fighters are gonna be married. You get the you get the the skeezer then. <laughs> Jesus Christ! We'll we'll figure out logistics. Listen, every MMA fighter has a skeezer on. The, like, come on now. <laughs> they didn't get into fighting. They they got into fighting to get skeezers. That's why you go into these uh. male and female alike. <laughs> yeah, that's why you do this. Well, we'll figure out the barbecue uh, fight league logistics. So. Yeah, well. Jeez. I don't even know if you call it logistics, but well, uh, okay. If we'll, you don't, we'll if you out. don't, if you don't, if they don't have a wife or a husband, you get the dog. <laughs> oh man! Oh god, that's that, that cousin. That's boo. I mean, that makes that makes the fights interesting, though, man. That's that's high stakes. You get you, the wife. Oh, okay. You get the dog. Whoa, now. <laughs> <laughs> like the wife can file for divorce. Yeah, the dog has no uh, has no like, legal representation. You have, ha- you have to hand the dog over to you. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be like a ceremony. Is that what you're saying? Like you, you have to watch this man take your dog from you. Right. Like blood is pouring from your nose, your eyes swollen. And you like, he he man. just puts it in the back of his pickup truck and drives away. <laughs> oh man! Big boss man flashbacks now. <laughs> Oh Seth's man! Not laughing because he doesn't get that reference, but someone else got that reference and they broke into laughter. Oh god! Mm. Barbecue Fire League is coming by 2020. Yeah, it'll be a real thing. You get the dog, you get the wife, the riding mower. Yeah. But um, I'm proud of myself because I took decent notes this week. So um, I'm gonna run through my list of notes and fight announcements because I actually tried to take some initiative and do them because I normally am terrible at these. <laughs> I might drink. Go on. But, um, yeah, I'll run through these uh, and then uh, I'll just run through the list and then we'll go back and uh, talk about some of these in specific because I'm pretty sure we'll have some opinions one way or another on some of these announcements. But, um, biggest announcement, as I'm sure you guys have heard, Conor McGregor and Habib Nurmagomedov will be going down at UFC 229. Uh, Nate Diaz versus Dustin Poirier will allegedly go down at UFC 230. We'll, we'll come back to that. Um, Nikita Krylov is back. He will be fighting uh, Jan Blachowicz at UFC uh, Fight Night in Moscow. Glover Teixeira will be taking on Jimmy Manoa at UFC Sao Paulo. Um, I believe that is the headliner for that card. Um, at UFC uh, New Brunswick, we will have Vulcan Uzdemir and Anthony Smith. Uh, at UFC Sao Paulo, we'll have Henan Barrao and Andre Ewell. Uh, other fights for 229, Ray Borg and Joseph, Benavi- ah, and Joseph Benavidez versus... Oh, hold up. Let me start over. I, I completely botched that. <laughs> Ray, Borg, <laughs> Ray Borg versus Joseph Benavidez. Also on 229, Sergio Pettis versus uh, Jose Formiga. Uh, Francisco Trinaldo will be taking on Evan Dunham, or at least they verbally agreed to yeah, at the Sao Paulo card. Um, UFC will be making its first trip to Beijing on November 24th. I don't know if they have any fights 
plan for that card yet, but I think this is their first time going to Beijing. Um, and Invicta FC, uh, strawweight title fight, will be going down September 1st. Uh, the champion, uh, Vienna Jandaroba, will be taking on J John... Oh, God, I'm going to butcher this name. I don't know if this is Janicia or Jana Issa Morandon. I think um, it's just Janice. Janice? Uh, we'll go with that. That's easier to say. <laughs> the woman who had, uh, who handled Burst paid to put his face on her shorts. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so, that's going down September 1st. Um, PFL 6, Kayla Harrison finally has another fight. She'll be fighting Gisette Cotton. And in boxing, we have Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury. And then real quick, uh, Bellator uh, just recently put out their Grand Prix uh, welterweight fights. So on the left side of the bracket, we have Douglas Lima versus Andre Korshkov and Paul Daly versus MVP. On the right side of the bracket, we have Neiman Gracie versus Ed Ruth. And champion Roy McDonald will be taking on John Fitch. And alternate fight. So I'm not sure if like the winner of this is an alternate or whatever. It's just listed as an alternate fight. Uh, Lorenz Larkin and Yaroslav uh, Amasov. So those are all of the uh, fight announcements and such. So uh, which which one of these do we want to talk about first? We won't go through all of them, but uh, some of these definitely deserve to be uh, expanded upon. So, Joe, you pointed out this to me earlier. Um... Ray Borg has like a court order against uh, Conor McGregor, right? Yeah. Like a restraining order? Yeah, I believe that is the case. Although those can be worked around. I mean... <clears throat> but it is interesting. Silly, dare I say. Like, I mean, the way they book flyweight, Ray Borg and Joseph Benavides might be the first fight of the night. And by the time Conor rolls around, he'll be gone. So. He'll be out of there. I bet you... Any money in the world, Conor McGregor has no idea what Ray Borg looks like. So they could be in the same room together, and I don't know if he'd know who he is. Yeah. So, but yeah, like that's that's pretty weird, weird booking. Um, the Bellator Grand Prix, I, I had a chance to take a look at it earlier. It really feels like they're trying to get MVP versus Rory at the end of it, doesn't it? Because MVP is, has nothing but strikers, although. Uh, Lima can do whatever. Like, Lima's pretty well-rounded. And on the other side, it's Rory McDonald against whatever remains of John Fitch, and then two guys who probably aren't ready for this level of competition. So to me, it feels like the goal is Rory versus MVP. Yeah. Which and is fair, en fair enough, because they've, been, they've invested in him for, like, almost six years now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I don't take offense to it at all. I don't, think it's like, I don't think it's shameful marketing or shameful matchmaking. It's just that jumped out to me. I don't. I'm just on the lone chart. I don't think it's so much Roy versus MVP. I just think it's Roy is our champ, and we want him to stay champ. So we're definitely going to give him the easiest route. And then I also thought of this like, I'm, I'm not. I don't know if they maybe did this in the meeting, but you you know in like in any sport how they do like seedings. Mm -hmm. So normally if you're the champ, you have the easiest, or if you're the top seed, like in basketball, like you're the number one, you fight, you you play the number sixteen or the number eight. You know, depending on if it's college or whatever, but normally your 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 top guy has the easiest route up. And then I figure, we all figure, unless some miracle happens, Roy should make it to the top of that bracket. And I think any fight on this left side 
is a fight that they can market at least in in some way. Oh, for sure. So I think whoever comes out of the left, whether it be MVP or or whoever, mm-hmm. it, it'll be a fun matchup that people will be interested in. Because if these were flipped, I, I don't think you want <laughs> like if if Roy was on one side and Fitch was on another, and somehow Fitch got to the top. That's not a main. That's not a you know. It's not a final. I don't think anybody's really excited about. No, no, no. I don't. I don't for sure. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I just think it's a little transparent. But there's nothing wrong with that. Like you, this is the fight game. You're trying to, you know, you're trying why, to. What's up? Like, like, no. I'm sorry. Like, why on God's green earth is like Fitch in this tournament? Because they signed him. And he's from yeah. and he's from California. Well, and you know, he 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 performed his hitman duties, and I guess this that was, was his the, reward. Uh, this was the agreement. This was the reward. We we throw you in the tournament. So one one overriding theme. I don't think it's wrong to suggest that MMA on every level in 2018 has been interest wise kind of down. So between this tournament kicking off in the fall, Conor McGregor against Khabib in October. What seems like a pretty big November, likely into a pretty big December. Like, this is going to be an important test for what the combat sports fan is in 2018. Going forward, as we're kind of looking at potentially having MMA almost off TV. Because we don't know if Bellator is going to hang around on Paramount for much longer. And we know the UFC has 22 shows for ESPN planned in 2019. So... We may be looking at an MMA that's not even on your television for much longer. So I guess that's kind of why I'm a little intrigued by what the fan interest is going to be for these events. Because 2018 has been great. And some of these cards are looking really good. So if this tournament can generate positive momentum for Bellator, and if UFC 229 can generate positive momentum for the UFC, I'm going to be a little concerned. I think they'll make out okay. No, I, I'm not saying I'm going to be optimistic and say I think they. Not not to say that still things might not not change. I feel like everybody now is. Well, I I don't know what the UFC is going to do, but I feel like everybody. Well, I guess even them with the ESPN deal, like streaming is just the new wave now. We got to hope. Yeah, so like I don't. You might be right. Like these might not be on TV, but they'll just instead of being on regular television, it'll just be up on some streaming service that you, you know, have to I'm not saying money right, for. Right. I'm not trying to say the situation's dire. Just that if these shows don't do numbers that are relatively respectful to what they should be, like Conor McGregor could be they're talking two million buys. Um the Bellator, they're they're clearly putting this tournament together to generate some kind of interest because their T V numbers are so flat. So for me, what these shows do is gonna paint a picture of what we're gonna probably get in two thousand nineteen. So I'm, 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 it's not, I'm concerned, but not worried, I guess. It might be like a turning point. Yeah. Like, like, cause, cause after this year, people are going to have to like rethink their strategies on like how they're promoting fights and maybe just thinking of new ways to get fighters out there. So on and so forth and and things like that. Yeah. And I call, you remember 2014, right? Like you remember, okay. You remember how the year was really bad, and then they announced Cormier Jones, and it got pushed back, but that was kind of like the turn for, for MMA that year? Yeah. So I guess, like, to me, that's how I'm viewing what Khabib Connor should be. If this turns a corner, I'm going to feel a little bit more comfortable with what MMA is in 2019. Like, 
it, just going back to like 2014, like none of the problems that you know ruined that year have been solved. No, that for sure. And it, like it, it's just not. The, I don't even think the word's disheartening. It's just I don't know, like, like a kick in the gut, where it's just like, okay, this is what your sport is. And but I, this, this I, is how it will always fall apart. Yeah, but like 2014, I felt like Bellator had good momentum. This year, they're just like, like everything's on so flat for them. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, I thought that for a while they were. I don't know. I envisioned them being on like the up and up. Like I felt like the UFC was kind of. I don't know. Like it. Like in the when when UFC's like free. Well, all right. Some would argue maybe it's always been a freak show. <laughs> but, <laughs> it has never stopped yeah <laughs> but like th- there was a point where I, I think like even casual fans started to notice like okay clearly rankings don't matter anymore like we're kind of just it's like the wild wild west like we're just throwing fights together just because even though they don't make sense like i I thought at like the beginning of that like that was bellator's time to like you know make make their their leap their their step forward and like i don't know what happened like they they made the step forward and then like they tripped and uh, <laughs> i don't know if they've gotten back up yet like i, I don't know what's i and it's good yeah i was gonna say like it's not even that like i don't know i don't know what they're i don't know i, I, I just don't bellator seems to always somehow you think they're gonna like do good and they find a way to just like kind of I, I don't know if underwhelmed the word but like they, they don't make the leap that you think they're gonna make like they they either fall or they're just kind of like stagnant like they just kind of they just flatline out it doesn't really move the needle one way or another they're just they're just kind of there like um how much of this just has to do with the fact that there's an there's a ufc card every week nowadays it's possible, but then again, I mean, I think they had that kind of pattern since 2014. So, and the ratings were net, like, I can't remember who it was on Twitter. Uh, I wish I could remember his thing, but I think all but two Bellator events this year have done under 500,000 viewers live. Yeah. So that's just not a, that's not a healthy number. Like, there's no way you can remain in that spot. Yeah, yeah. and that's the thing, like, I want to say interest hasn't gone down because you get those like DVR the DV6 numbers, and they come back and they're like, oh yeah, they went over a million or they they hit eight hundred thousand, but people just don't tune in live for Bellator. Yeah, but if you're going to be a well, okay, all right, if you're going to be a sport, and that yeah. that is that is I guess the flexible point, but if you're going to be a sport, you have to be destination programming. You have to be watched live. Yeah, and I, I I don't get like how Bellator turns that corner. I guess I'm saying no, I'm not, but I'm not disagreeing with you about that either. Like I think that well, I think the way they turn the corner, which is the ultimate irony of MMA, they need the UFC to turn the corner. Because I think that the UFC generally, when the UFC's up, everybody else is up because it's MMA interest. So until the UFC kind of turns the corner themselves, I think Bellator is going to be left finding a spot and neither organization's dying they're making million like bellator's going to make probably more than it's ever made with this tv with this streaming deal and the ufc is clearly going to make more than it's ever made with its deal it's I mean, just 
The UFC is going to post a record number this year. Oh, uh, for sure. For sure. Like, it, at profit-wise. Maybe not revenue-wise, but profit-wise. But it's just a very strange, like... I'm looking at the, the this October to January has to be big for MMA, in my opinion. Because if the biggest fight of the year can't generate any momentum, then you, what will? Well, I was going to say, <clears throat> I guess just to, to segue into some of these fights, uh, Connor and Habib... 229. Um, all right, so I'm, I'm going to be the guy to say this. And this, just an, this isn't just in reference to Conor versus Habib. This kind of goes for all of these fights that got announced. Um, I just I have this feeling that one of these fights isn't going to happen. Like, the MMA gods are very cruel. And all the time, we, we've seen this every year. We get hyped for a fight. We go crazy. We think it's going to be the greatest thing ever. <laughs> Two, two days before the fight happens, somebody's injured, somebody fell in a bathtub or something crazy, and the, the fights don't happen. Once a year? That's, um, like, once, that's like once, once a month. Once a week. <laughs> once a week. <laughs> once a week. <laughs> I, will say, I will say, to Sensei's point, I'm not worried about Conor Khabib yet because I refuse to allow myself to be worried about it, but it's not like Khabib Nurmagomedov has the world's most sterling track record of making it to fight night. There, yeah. there are two week, there are two full months where McGregor can do something stupid and get himself suspended or arrested or whatever. And there's every, I said this when he won the title, but there's every chance in the world that Khabib becomes the first uh, UFC champion to lose his title on the scale. <laughs> no, it's a, but it's absolutely accurate. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's not a, he's not wrong. So it's possible, but uh, let's be optimistic. Like, literally, until, like, this is one of those things where, like, until these two are in the cage and they actually ring the bell, because I can yeah. imagine one of them throwing a punch before the bell and getting the fight called off. Right. Like, until that happens, right? Like, it, 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 I don't believe it's going to happen. And but to both of your points, not to interrupt, but to both of your points, Nate Diaz, Dustin Poirier didn't even make it through the press conference. Right. <laughs> so clearly, we're, we're dealing with with forces beyond normal means. Well, sticking on the um, the, the optimistic side. All right, so we're just gonna assume that the MMA gods will be kind and they will allow this fight to take place. Um, who 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 are we rolling with? We I know everybody's been this has been a fight mm. that's just been talked about for a long time. I think this is one of the most intriguing fights you'll ever see in the sport, like just style-wise. Um, who, who who are we picking? I'm going with Khabib. You say decision, finish? Um, submission. Submission. Third or fourth round submission. Mm. Everything... I feel like everything's Khabib's way right now. Like, if, if, if we're talking just momentum, one guy's been fighting and another guy's just been fighting in court. So, uh, and and buses. Don't forget buses. Buses. Yeah. And and He's been buses, referees. Yeah, yeah. Like to me, <laughs> to me, it's got to be it's got to be Khabib. But like, I do agree with people who do think Connor can win because he he's such a weird stylistic matchup for Khabib, and Khabib is such a Connor's going to make the argument that he's fought guys like Khabib before. And he kind of hasn't, but we haven't seen a wrestler give Connor McGregor serious, serious, serious trouble. You can 
point to Chad Mendez for about a round. But even then, when Connor was being held down, he was doing most of the damage. And Eddie Alvarez can wrestle and has shown that he's, he's a capable clinch wrestler. But I don't think Connor's fought anybody like Khabib. Yeah, was, yeah, he hasn't. Yeah, this this is a different. Yeah. he's a different breed. He he's cut from a <laughs> he's cut from another cloth. And so I'm kind of like, yeah, I've, I'm going to I've, I've, because I don't trust Connor to have more than 15 minutes in him. Yeah, I've I've I've, I've flip flopped kind of back and forth because I've, I've Connor definitely has a chance to win. Like that left hand is just so, you know. It's, it's just it's like there's just a, a bomb in there just waiting to unload at any moment. But I don't know. I, I think Khabib, yeah, and I, I didn't even think about that before. Like, if this fight goes into the later rounds, I don't trust Connor's gas tank to carry him to the third, fourth, and fifth. Yeah, because um, he, he's so quick twitch, and, like, most of his game is reflex and timing-based, and yeah. those tend to go. It's weird because I think Connor would beat Khabib, but I think Tony Ferguson would beat Khabib. I mean, I think Khabib beats Connor, and I think that Tony Ferguson would beat Khabib, but I think that Connor would beat Tony Ferguson. Yeah. So it's like a very like these are the highest of the highest level guys. That's, yeah. And yeah. For the record, I like I, I think I I think we're done seeing Prime Tony. How dare you? Like I'm sorry. Like just the, the injuries, like. It hit, hit and just like eventually that's just gonna stop working like in like the, the whole recovery and I got my ass kicked for like five minutes let me get hop back in this fight I don't know but like there's just something that feels different about when it's your knees you know knees neck and back I think yeah. genuine genuinely the but I will say this Tony Ferguson has said that he is a Wolverine and I believe Wolverine does have healing. <laughs> yeah. I believe he does have healing capabilities. Oh yeah, for so. sure. Believe me, if, if anybody can come back from uh, what you know, putting himself through hell like Tony Ferguson has, they they deserve like, uh, um, they, they deserve like belief. They 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 our confidence. Yeah, he's he, he's the guy. Yeah, and it, but... like it, it could absolutely be even argued that in his time away, Dustin Poirier has. Over has leapt over Tony Ferguson in terms of relevance and all that. Yep. So we will mm. we will definitely get to that. Um, but yeah, I'm rolling with a B two. Uh, to throw that out there. What would be but, the co-main event if you got if you guys were booking this? What's the co-main event for that fight? Um. Uh, oh my God! Is this is this in this is Vegas, right? Yes, sir. You know, the the effed up thing is, I would say, if like if I got my choice, it would be Thug Rose versus Andrade, but that's not happening. So probably not. Um, I don't know. Do you, do, like, you, do you, can you can you throw DC in there? I feel like he just fought. Somebody's gonna well, head in New really... York. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um. God, like I, I, I honestly, God, I can't think of anybody. Like, Cejudo. If like it this, was, th- this is my like. If I was doing this, and I know that this show is going to do a major number, I'm begging Mackenzie Dern to make one fifteen. 
and I would put her in the co-main spot. Because mm. nobody else, there's never going to be a show that you can put on that's going to have that spotlight. And if she, if you think she's a big star, could be a big star, I would put her in that spot. But it's just, you can't trust her. Yeah. Yeah. Because another title fight's not going to add any more bias to this. It's not, it's not, you know, you're not going to, it's not going to be like if you add, because my first thought when I was thinking about this was Marais against Dillashaw. But if you add that fight, it doesn't sell anymore. And does Dillashaw need another spotlight on him? Well, I was going to say, um, so I'm not sure what like Holloway's timetable is. Or like how much longer he's expected to be out. That would be cool. I would say I was gonna say in the meantime, if 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 he's still not available, do, could you make like a Ortega Aldo just to keep them? Well, I don't know if they would want that fight, but <sighs> I don't know. I could don't know. Aldo make one forty-five on the dot anymore? I think Anna Cole said that there was like some serious concerns about so, his weight weight cut, right? He he basically got down to like. Uh, like spitting distance to make like the the weight limit, and entrepreneurs had to lie to him and say that most fighters who miss weight lose their fight. Because literally, they were on the elevator down to weighing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> entrepreneurs just kind of you know pulls him over to the corner. It's just like you know most of the dudes who miss weight lose their fight, and then Aldo's like, all right, fuck it, I'm gonna hop back in the tub. Does Aldo not have Google? <laughs> I don't think Aldo paid attention to MMA. <laughs> well, dude, didn't you ever hear the Aldo story where, like, Mendez and McGregor, where they asked him what he was doing during that fight? No, what did he say? He's, he was watching porno. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, what did you do? Like, what were you doing while it was happening? He was like, I didn't even know what was going on. I was watching porn. Good job, Aldo. <laughs> Like you, yeah, I don't you know. You couldn't have like more different like for the past three featherweight champions. You couldn't be more different. Like, I, like Max when Max Holloway was coming up, like he, he legitimately was talking about like he didn't watch MMA and he didn't know who the champion was in his own division. Yeah, I do remember that being an issue. <laughs> oh man. And then wow. you have freaking McGregor who hops on stage and is like just starts uh shooting off people's like heights and reaches from memory. It got them all right too. And then you have, uh, and you have Aldo who could not care less about could not about anything in life. <laughs> Live life like Jose Aldo. Oh man. Uh, well, but we'll yeah, see though. But there's that, like that, there's like no co-main event that I could think of that makes sense. I, I think though. I, well, I, I want to hope because they they obviously they know this this card is going to be huge. So I'm pretty sure they'll throw something fun together. Like I don't even if it's not another title fight. I, I think we'll get a. I don't know about the prelims, but we should get a pretty good main card out of this card. You, you gotta, you gotta take advantage of all the eyes you're gonna have. So, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But that's pretty much all the news and notes uh, for the week. Uh, I guess real quick, won't really dive into it. But PFL five went down uh, on some day that I don't have. Oh, <laughs> I don't have the date. I didn't know the card, but PFL went down. I think it was like last week. It happened. A show happened. Yeah, it it, it happened. Uh, just a few notable fights. Uh, uh, main event, uh, Nathan Schultz uh, submitted Jason Hive via a rear naked choke. Uh, Vinny Magalas, uh, TKO Brandon Halsey. Didn't he catch him with a head kick? I don't know if any of you guys watched he, that fight. He did. Yeah, he, yeah it was pretty, yeah. He uh, sent Halsey to the afterlife. 
Uh, Will Brooks uh, defeated Will. I'm sorry, I said Will. Will Brooks defeated Robert Watley uh, via unanimous decision. I didn't see the fight, but I heard he got booed afterwards. So uh, that happened. <laughs> Sounds like a Will Brooks fight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah uh, well, I don't know if anybody. Well, I'll just run through the rest of these. Uh, Maxim Grisham uh, submitted Rakim uh, Rakim Cleveland. Uh, Rashid Magomedov defeated Luis Firmino. Uh, Chris Wade uh, defeated Yuki uh, Kawana. That the end, the the sequence to that fight, like the opening sequence, was really crazy. Chris Wade did like the end of the dragon kick, and I don't know what Yuki was trying to do, but like neither one of them really landed fully. But you could tell they were trying to go for a highlight. Uh, but uh, then Spawn or Spoon, sorry if I'm pronouncing your name wrong, uh, defeated Arthur Abuletov, and Tiago Tavares defeated Arthur. Estra Ulas via split decision. But so that went down, that was PFL five. Um so we'll just get on over to the uh the main event of the evening while we're all gathered here. UFC two twenty seven, uh Dillashaw versus Garbrandt two. Um I'll just say real quick overall, this card was pretty awesome, top to bottom. Minus one fight that hurt my feelings, but we'll 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 cross that bridge when we get there. Um but we will start from the top. TJ Dillashaw, Cody Garbrandt. Obviously, uh, you've been paying attention. You you know the rivalry between these two, all that good stuff. Um, I didn't think this fight was going to end <laughs> in the first round. I picked TJ to win, but I thought I thought it would be like a, a bit more competitive, and I, I thought it would maybe go two rounds, possibly three, but um. Dillashaw had other plans. <laughs> um, yeah, th- this fight told me a lot. Um, Cody, I-, I guess for what it's worth, he he did he rocked. Well, him and TJ kind of both like stunned each other at the same time, which was kind of wild. Um, I like Cody's use of of, of kicks, just something different to kind of just vary his offense. Maybe just give TJ something extra to think about. But Cody's the things that make Cody exciting, I think, are also the things that will be, like, his downfall. Um, there were just moments in this fight where <laughs> I just kind of knew, like, an impending doom is coming. Um, if you watch the sequence when Dillashaw dropped him, um, Dillashaw threw the same right hand three times in a row. Two or three times in a row. It was three times in a row. <laughs> Cody never adjusted to this one punch that Dillashaw literally threw three times in a row. He never, like, ducked his head out the way. He never tried to maybe, like, lean back and counter it. He just... (laughs) It's like when Cody... Cody has this just weird thing, like... It's not even really weird, but, like... If he hurts you, he goes in for the kill, but he's careless. And then when he gets hurt, he's still careless somehow. And, like, it's just, it's really bizarre to watch. And I think, <laughs> I literally had deja vu when he got dropped. And, like, it was like a mirror image of the first fight. Like, you did you not, it was almost <laughs> like he did. <laughs> and I don't mean to, like, I'm not trying to, like, be mean or, you know, I don't want this to come across as, like, fighter bashing. No, but I mean, the facts just, are the facts. Yeah, it was literally like the first fight. It was the same thing. Like, 
we know that you can hurt TJ. Like, you clearly got the power. You got really good hand speed. And that's why, like, I like the beginning of the fight. Like, he, he, was, he was patient. He was working his kicks. So, I'm like, all right, this is what you do. Like, don't, obviously, TJ's not a guy you want to rush in on. So, you know, stay patient. Pick your shots. Work your kicks. Keep your offense a little varied. Give him something, a little extra to think about. And when, you know, if you can find an opportunity to land a good one, you know, you obviously take it. And if you rock him, you know, there's nothing wrong with going in for the kill, but you just got to be smart about it. And, yeah, he got dropped with the same right hand like three times. And it was just like, you can't. TJ is one of those guys that he has so many just tools at his disposal, disposal that you just, you can't, you can't make mistakes against him. And <laughs> this was, <laughs> this wasn't even just a mistake. It was just like a blatant, what, what do they call them in baseball or tennis? Like unforced, I don't know. Unforced error. Unforced error. Yeah, like, it's just like, <laughs> it's just like, I'm watching this and. Um, I I didn't I wasn't rooting for any guy either. I just wanted to see a good fight. So I didn't have any like emotionally invested. But there's just certain things I see and I'm just like, oh, this is you're killing me. Like the same punch three times and you just don't you just don't move. But TJ is TJ, man. The dude is a phenomenal fighter. Um, he he mauled them. Like and then then he hit him with the knee. The knee was pretty vicious and oh man, TJ's a killer. Like that's the moral of the story. Dude is a a, a bona fide killer. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't. Garbrandt can't get another title shot for a while after this, man. Like this this was a malt. Like outside of that one time where they both like kind of stunned each other at the same time, he didn't really offer much else. <coughs> he got malt. He got he got beat on. Um, but yeah, so those those are my thoughts. Uh, on <laughs> on how that went down. Joe, you can go ahead and do yours. I, I, I'm rereading everything I wrote. I see. Um, thanks for putting me on the spot. Appreciate it. No problem. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, um, <laughs> uh, playing PlayStation. I can hear it, right? I know uh, you can hear it. That's, that's my that's my brother. Oh, <laughs> I mean, we don't know that for sure. <laughs> Either way, um, uh, my my thing with the I think you covered everything that needs to be said about the fight. I do think Garbrandt had a little bit more success, but it was fleeting. Um, one guy one guy has a college degree in fighting, and the other guy has a GED in fighting, <laughs> because the instincts on display between both guys were on such vastly different levels that Dillashaw he's just he fought smarter and. When it's two guys who are evenly matched in terms of speed, strength, athleticism, the smarter guy is normally going to win. So it was just a matter of him being a smarter fighter and and being a better, being better equipped to survive. Because I do think he got hurt, which opened up the flurry that openly got him back into the fight. Yeah. And it's like that's the difference between one guy who knows what he's doing and another guy who who kind of has an idea. And Garbrandt survival instinct after getting hurt was like he didn't circle there was no movement it was just like he was obviously still hurt and you can't just go right back in and his his idea was i'm gonna go right back in and he got hit and we saw what happened the only thing i can say other than that is after the fight there became this like hard up tj dillashaw is the greatest bantamweight of all time let's not let's wait um 
there is no great. I don't think there's a greatest bantamweight of all time because this division doesn't have Jose Aldo's longevity of dominance and just you know being a guy who people believe that they were getting into the gym just to beat him, as Anai Cole said the last time I was here. There isn't Max Holloway's resume that's sterling that features finishes over this guy, that guy, this guy, that guy, wins over everybody in the division, and then two finishes over Jose Aldo. There isn't a Conor McGregor who had this meteoric rise and from a, from a, from a cultural standpoint made the featherweight division this big thing. There's Dominic Cruz, whose most of his wins I don't think are relevant anymore in terms of like historically at the moment they weren't great and they're not that great now. Like Scott Jorgensen, I don't think we think much about in terms of like title contenders. And then there's Henan Burrell, who had a brief fleeting moment as champion that really didn't last as long as you think it lasted. And then there's uh, TJ Dillashaw, who I like TJ Dillashaw and I think he will be the greatest bantamweight of all time. But of his wins, if you remove rematches, I think like less than half of his opponents are still in the UFC. So Mike Easton, Vaughn Lee, Ishii Tamora, those guys are not, you don't put your highlight reel on those guys. So instead of rushing to start, instead of, because now we're in the greatest of all time discussion every week, DC opened it up. And then we had Jose Aldo last week because we had to discuss who the greatest featherweight of all time was. And now we have to figure out who the greatest bandwidth of all time. Let's give this division that's getting really, really, really great some time to bear the fruit. We don't need to have a greatest bantamweight of all time right now because there's nothing to compare it to. It's just so thin in, in, in terms of what came before it. So I guess that was just my main complaint because it, it felt like an unneeded conversation that it just, just a worthless conversation in general compared to featherweight that has such a great history. And that was, the, that was, that was my main takeaway. Are you ready now, sir? Yeah. Um, okay. So like, before the fight, and we'll, I, we'll get uh, get to the other one next. I, I I asked people on Tumblr who they thought had a better chance at um, winning the rematch because it was two, obviously two rematches um, where the challengers had been knocked out in the previous fight. So it was between Cejudo and Garbrandt, and um, my my argument was for Garbrandt, uh, not for Cejudo. And it, it basically came down to like, did I think so? Who uh, did I think Garbrandt could learn like what went wrong in his first fight with TJ? Um, it, like in the it what was it, like nine months ago, nine ten months ago um, that November, that fight December, was December January January February February March March. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, yeah. Could, could he learn what went wrong? Can he learn from his mistakes? Um, and that you know that itself goes down to a bunch of different categories. Like, okay, who's his head striking trainer? It's his boxing coach, his uncle, from like Ohio. Where is he training? He's training at you know Team Alpha Male. So he's mostly just training with other Alpha Male dudes. Like I'm assuming Chad Mendez, your eye favor. Um, is Cody Stamen from there, or am I just associating him with them because he's just a bricked up short dude? I believe he spent <laughs> some time there. Okay. Um, but my point being, like, who in that gym is preparing him for TJ Dillashaw? Um, and like, be, because if you go back to their first fight, what, like, what, what happened? Um, Bane Ludwig realized that 
Garbrandt had no answers for the kicks. And, like, literally no answers. So he would either eat the kick, try to block it, or just completely disengage. And Garbrandt, being a pure counter-striker, decided... Uh, you know, I'm not going to do. I'm not going to deal with the kicks at all. I'm gonna just wait till he punches. I'm gonna wait on him. Eventually, uh, Dillashaw uh, does the goes to the crouch and then kicks him up top with a, a head kick, and that opens the door for Garbrandt to actually plant his feet instead of stepping back because he's trying to get one back on D- Dillashaw and it ends up getting him knocked out. What happens here? He ends up rocking Dillashaw because that's that's the beginning of the end of the sequence of the fight. He rocks Dillashaw. He, um, he he doubles down. He tries to go in for the kill, and then, like you guys said, he got hit with the same punch three times in a row. <laughs> the exact same punch. The only difference is the like, and this comes back to something else. Garbrandt is really, really, really inexperienced. I know he has like thirty-five amateur boxing matches and he has an amateur MMA career, but. When you think about like the pure level of athlete he is, and I legitimately think he's one of the five best pure athletes when it comes to MMA right now in the sport, just because of, you know all, how dynamic and fast and uh, like athletic he is. He didn't really, like up until the Dillashaw fight, he really hasn't had anybody like who can who who can who can force their way into the pocket because. They end up like Cruz, you know, looking silly, getting punched in the face. Or they're like Guido Canetti, who, you know, tough as shit, but just like, just purely not the athlete that Garbrandt is. So to me, it just, like, I didn't see it. I, I didn't see the win in the cards for him. I, I didn't see like 10 months being the, uh, the amount of time it needed to clear those holes up. Because he doesn't really have an inside game. Like, uh, was it Rogan or was it uh, DC who was like Dillashaw's not trying to exchange in the pocket with Cody and I'm not sure if that's the first or the second fight because I watched that first fight like five times this past week I think but it was Cormier I think Cormier it was like he doesn't want to exchange with uh, um, Garbrandt in the pocket I, I'm like that's exactly where you want to engage with Garbrandt because I'm I'm guessing he learned this from his first fight if Dillashaw actually keeps his feet underneath him, he can he can eat a Garbrandt, one of Garbrandt's punches, and Garbrandt only throws like two combinations, a cross hook or a hook cross as his opponent's coming in. I don't know what happened to the jab he used to shut down all uh, like Almeida from distance, but um, like he realized if I can just step in, I can eat that one punch, and then. Garbrandt's feet are going to be all over the place. So, I, 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 I this is why I didn't like this fight when they made it. Like I knew it'd be fun. I knew it. I knew it'd lead to like a great finish. But like, Garbrandt seems to have fans for whatever reason. Like pe- the, the people seem to be drawn to him. Why are you going to burn him out? In less like less than two years into his rise, like I really didn't well, like I mean, this fight for him. I, I suppose theoretically, because I remember us having this conversation. This was like the only fight I think that could generate that could headline a pay per view. 
which might have played probably played a heavy impact into it. But I, like at that time, Marais was. They were not going to reward Marlon Marais because he kind of jerked them around with the Jimmy Rivera fight. And Dominic Cruz, like, I guess he was hurt. And a Sun Sal, we've kind of been there and done that. So it made sense to kind of... This was the easiest fight to put together and the easiest fight to sell. Um, your, your technical analysis was spot on. And I can't remember who said it on Twitter, but basically their argument was every time Garbrandt squared up to Dillashaw, he lost. Mm-hmm. Like, every combination. And it just, uh, Cody Garbrandt cannot fight how he fights. You can get away with that with Dominic Cruz, and you can get away with that with Thomas Almeida, who's more of a uh, accumulation, just an overwhelming figure. Also someone who doesn't move his head. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. and starts really slow. You can do that, but he's at the point in that division, in this division, where there's no one else he can do that with. You're not going to do that with Marlon Marais. You're not going to do that with John Lineker. We've already seen it with Dillashaw twice. Oh, my God. John Lineker might murder him. Yeah, like, it, Jimmy Rivera as well. Like, you can't fight that kind of fight. You can't fight that kind of fight against the top guys in this division anymore. Right. Like, Cruz's biggest fault was that, he, like, I know everybody likes to use the gif of him um, coming forward and, like, what was it, the one-two uh, leg kick that he landed on um Jorgensen that just like spent Jor- that just sent Jorgensen like spinning around in circles. Yeah, Cruz is not a power puncher. Well, that and he just doesn't fight well coming forward. Oh, okay. No, yeah, yeah, I got what you're saying. Now I got yeah. Like TJ Dillashaw lives in that pocket. That that is how he became a champion. I wonder if because Dana White said something afterwards that I kind of agree with, which was that Garbrandt seems to fight angry with Dillashaw. So I wonder if in those gym exchanges that they had, if Dillashaw won just about every single one. Yeah. And so you can kind of tell who the guy is who, who, who's trying to get something back and who the guy is that kind of already knows what to do. So. Yeah. And, and Garbrandt's kicks, by the way. Kicks are great. You have to do something with them. You can't just throw a kick and then admire and then reset and then throw another kick. You, you have to com- you gotta put those in combination. Every Garbrandt oh. kick was like kick reset. Good. No, no, uh, like like you're saying, like kick re- a bunch of kick resets. Like I understand. Um, you go back to like the Gustafson fight. He, the reason he fought um, Jones and DC so damn close, to the point where you can argue he won both those fights, is that he did not concede anything with either guy. Like he didn't concede in the wrestling department. He took both of them down. And when he came to Jones, he kicked with him. He he, refi- he refused to let Jones have a whole um, section of fight or, or range of the fight where he could not win. And that, so I understand why Garbrandt added the kicks, but if he was going to add anything to keep um, to to score at range, it should have been a jab. True, because one we know he has a good one. We've seen it before, but like. It, his whole game is predicated on guys chasing him. If you're like, there's nothing better to throw in your arsenal than a back, uh, a backstepping jab, if you're if that's your goal. Right. Well, I guess um, to move forward, I, I guess with the aftermath of this fight, 
So I, I'm 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 looking through records now. So I, I think obviously the well in, in my opinion, uh, Dillashaw's next title defense comes down to only two people. So either Marlon Marais or Sun Sal. To me, these are the only two fights that make sense. Um, Agreed. So I'm look so I'm looking at a Sun Sal's record. So obviously a Sun Sal lost to Dillashaw at 200, uh, UFC 200. But since then, he's had wins over Sterling, Marais, Matthew Lopez. And Rob Font. Marlon Marais, uh, pull this up, has had wins over Rivera, Aljamain, and Dotson. And I guess also the one, uh, he lost to a Sun Sal, but I guess the one strike you could put against a Sun Sal is that he's already lost to Dillashaw, even though they are one and one. So he's got one over him and then lost one recently. Um, if you're, my, 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 Thought processes. If you're going to play it on TV, do a sunset, get it out the way. Plus, you'll probably get the overrun. Right. If you're going to do it on pay per view, go with the exciting dude who knocked out two of the top ten fighters in the division inside of a round. Yeah. Right. If- yeah, it's this. It's hard because I, <laughs> I like a sunset, and he just gets overlooked just all the time. But I've said since, like, Marais came over, I've been a Marais fan for a long time, and I believe that he will be champ. Um, ugh, it's hard. I don't want to leave a Sun Tzu out. If you're, he gets overlooked enough. Yeah. If you're, if, you're at, <laughs> but, if you're asking for fairness, it should be a Sun Tzu. If you're Sun asking Tzu, for yeah. who I'd rather pay to see, it's, yeah, it's Marais, it's, it's and Marais. it's not even close. And I... Yeah, this is hard. This is hard. Um, but I guess either, if they make either of those fights, I'm definitely, well, if it's from Rice, I'm definitely not complaining, but, yeah, Sun Tzu's done more than enough to earn his title shot. I mean, you, you could argue he probably should have gotten it why, a couple fights, yeah, a while ago. Why no, why no Cruz, Sensei? Because he's, I like Cruz, but he's so, I don't know, like, it's like he fights, and I see him, and then he just disappears for a really long time. And I'm just kind of like, I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> but I, I do want to see that them fight again, though, because I, I was really hyped for the first time he uh, fought TJ. And that was a really fun fight to watch. But I, I don't know, just like with Cruz's health, sometimes I'm just like, if if you win, how long are you really going to be around? Like, are you going to win and then you get injured again and then we got to do this whole, you know... But I think either way, like, Cruz will always be in the wing. Like, you know, for instances, they make a title fight and one of them gets injured, you can plug Cruz in. But, I don't know, I'm, I'm just not at a, a rush to, I don't know, throw him in a title fight yet. I, it might be my bias. I really want to see Marais get that shot. Um, I, I guess I'll just go on record and say, I, I think if Marais fights TJ, I have Marais winning. I'll, I'll, I'll put myself out there. Ooh. I think I think Marais takes him. Um, but yeah, I mean, either way though, b- between Marais and the Sun Sal, or even if you do want to do Cruz, I mean, all three of those are good matchups. They'll be entertaining fights, um, regardless. But we'll, we'll we'll see. We'll see. I I think it's a it's a win either way. He has a lot of interesting fights that that he can get in. Um, he's even got Cejudo calling him out. <laughs> I don't know if I I want to see that fight. Not not now, but 
Um, I will. I, I'll I say it. this. I'm happy Cejudo did it. I'll explain after we talk about the fight, but like I'm happy he did that for one specific reason. Uh, well, all right, I'll say that. In the next yeah, I kind of got but something to we'll, say about that as well. Yeah, we'll, we'll just uh, we'll, we'll roll on to it then. Co <coughs> main event: uh, Henry Cejudo and Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. This was Mighty Mouse's twelfth, was eleventh or twelfth? Twelfth. Twelfth defense. Um, most dominant champ in UFC history. Um, you know what? I'll, I'll throw it out there. I've been, I think I've been well noted on this podcast that I'm not the biggest Mighty Mouse fan. It's, a, it's just a personal grudge because he beat two of my favorite fighters ever. So I've just been kind of bitter for a long time. <laughs> 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 but, like, I, I couldn't. He, he's one of those guys that, like, I don't root for him, but I, you, you have to respect the game. Like, he just does things that are just... He's one of those dudes that he's almost like the perfect fighter. Like, he's he's one of he's one of very few fighters I can say that I, when I watch him fight, like, he doesn't really make a lot of mistakes. Like, I've never watched a DJ fight and been like, oh, he shouldn't have did that. That wasn't a good, you know, that wasn't a good move. Like, he, he doesn't do that. He's He's almost perfect. Like, he's as close as the perfect as you can probably get. Um... I've watched this fight twice now. It, it was definitely razor close. Um, in real time, I did have it 2-2 uh, going into the fifth, and I gave Cejudo the last round. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. If you want to argue that DJ won, I'm, I'm not going to be angry at you or, or anything. It, it was a really close fight. I, I think, once again, in these fights, these kind of fights happen all the time. It's what what do you... If you're a judge, like, what are you looking at to determine who won? Are you factoring more in damage? Because I want to say, I don't have the stats in front of me, so don't quote me on this, but I think DJ landed more. I can look that up for I you. Think, I think he did. I want to say he landed more. I don't know what by, by what margin, but I think he outlanded Cejudo. Um, but in, in my opinion, with Cejudo's takedowns, he kind of... I guess you could say controlled the fight more, so it's kind of just what are you weighing more on the scale um, in, in terms of that. But in terms of the fight, the, the fight was phenomenal. This, this was a really, it was kind of wild because like even though nobody got, <laughs> like there wasn't a moment where like anybody got floored or like rocked really hard, but this was still just an amazing fight to watch. If you've been watching Cejudo since like just when he first started getting into MMA, his striking has gotten just leaps and bounds better than what it used to be. Um, we've seen his evolution, especially I would say over like his last two to three fights, where it really seemed like he, he's made a leap just in terms of overall improvement. Um, yeah, man, he... <laughs> I think he did the one thing that you can just only hope to do to DJ, and it's like, you, you, you might, you're probably not going to knock him out, Um you kind of just have to, like, <laughs> subdue him, kind of, sort of. <laughs> That's kind of what I looked at those takedowns. Is like, maybe, you know, I can't catch you all the time, but if I can just get a hold of you for a little bit and just get the win these small battles here and there, it can be enough for me to just kind of edge out around. And in a fight that's this close where... Both guys are landing decent, but nobody's, like, there weren't any, like, game-ending, you know, strikes in this fight. 
so after that with that it just kind of comes down to these little minute details i guess to kind of figure out who do you think wins and i, I guess when one guy's landing takedowns you know I guess for the judges, at least, that was enough to sway them for the victory. But th this was a really amazing fight. Um, Cejudo, I, I think just the the difference between this fight and the the first one, like, he's just gotten so much better. Um, and I'm so glad <laughs> he survived the Brent Primus effect with the kick. That, <laughs> um, he, he caught a kick, like, behind the knee uh, in that first round, and then his, his foot started to buckle. And I thought it was going to, I didn't want it to be a repeat of Michael Chandler. Um, and side note, I, why, why, I know why they do it, but I really hate it. Why do they just, <laughs> why is Bellator the other organization? I really, <laughs> I, I hate that so, and I, I don't remember who said it, but then somebody eventually just said Michael Chandler. Said, why do you guys do that? We we know what fight you're talking about. Like, don't call them the other organization. Like, we, we know... I get it, competition, blah, blah, but whatever. But <laughs> um, really amazing fight from, from both fighters. Very high level. The, the, that grapple sequence where, like, Cejudo took, um, he took DJ down, and DJ just did this roll, and they had this crazy scramble, and DJ ended up getting out of it was crazy to watch. Like, these are two, these are just two really highly skilled fighters really really close fight could have gone either way um lucky for Cejudo he he got the W um I saw some people on Twitter they weren't so happy with the decision but um as I've said I've been waiting for Mighty Mouse to lose for a long time so <laughs> I, I, I'm not ashamed of my biases but I you know I'll always give DJ credit where it's due and just to, for the record I think DJ should get an immediate rematch like when you've been champ for that long and, I mean, you lost a split decision. It's not like Cejudo, like, flatlined them or anything crazy. You know, he, he should definitely deserve that rematch. And I'm pretty sure that, you know, that would be a, a great trilogy and that fight will be just as entertaining as, as this one was. But, um, yeah, amazing fight from both fighters. But um, I'm really happy Cejudo, <laughs> Cejudo got that W. All right, since I got those striking stats, uh, stats for you. All right. So, according to this uh, fight metric, uh, Demetrius Johnson 121 total strikes to Henry Cejudo's 80. And he also landed 81 significant strikes to Henry Cejudo's 51. Hmm. So, there's that. Yeah. Um... Yeah, no, uh, like, this was, like, I thought, heading into this fight, I thought this would be, like, Cejudo's, like, Chad Mendes coming to Jesus moment, where, it, like, he, he, he puts on, like, a really good fight and loses. He sort of did, kind of. Like, <laughs> well, like, th in my eyes, this fight could have been anywhere from, like, 4-1 Johnson to, like, 3-2 Cejudo. It falls everywhere on that that, that like, scale for me. So I'm not too upset that Johnson lost despite the fact he's my favorite fighter. Because to be honest with you, this is probably the best thing that happened to him. Like, it, he has a, a narrative for his next fight now. Or or for his climb back to the title or for whatever they're going to do. Because I, I don't know who you put Cejudo in there with next. Like, they, they currently have... Um, 
was it uh, Pettis versus uh, Formiga? Formiga. And so who'll be both of those guys? And neither one was a good fight. Um, and I, I guess they, you know, they announced Ray Borg versus Joseph Benavidez. I guess they could put Benavidez in there with him again, but Sergio Pettis beat Benavidez, so. Maybe. Well, I mean, I think the the trump card, I suppose, would be Davison Figueredo. All right. But Figueredo versus Cejudo is a is not a headliner. I, I'm pretty sure nobody like you. Uh, is Figueredo even fought on TV yet? Figueredo. Yeah. Uh, he was. Um, shit, that's a damn good question. I want to say I want to say no. But um. I want to I, I want to say no. I'm gonna look. Yeah. Go ahead. All right. Uh. uh so so far, a really good fight, like like a really good, a really smart fight. Um, where we we saw elements of his last three fights since the DJ fight, the first one. Um, we saw the a little bit of the aggression that he showed against Joseph Benavidez and had shown previously when he actually you know stood and engaged with his opponents. He showed a little bit of that um that patience, I guess, and that ability to flurry that we saw against Wilson Hayes. And we we saw the stifling top game that we saw him, you know, wrestle Sergio Pettis with. So it's cool to see him put all those together in real time against, you know, the best fighter on the planet. Um, like, I, I know a lot of people, like, like I, I just wrote off the stats. I know Cejudo got soundly outstruck when it came to volume, but, like, he was, he was landing pretty well, like... He like he he was he was not this this was not a one sided like ass whooping on the feet like he he was in there he no. was throwing down um, I actually thought he rocked DJ at a certain point but I guess it well we found out after the fight DJ broke his foot I don't know if either one of you guys saw like the uh, yeah. the picture he posted uh-huh. oh no I didn't hear the picture I didn't see the picture I just heard about it yeah no it, it is swollen. And he thinks he tore his um his what you call it again, not the ACL, the other one. LCL. Uh, MCL. Yeah. Um. So. Um. Like, I, I, I I'm, I, I'm, ver- I'm finding it very hard to be critical. So who does he beat DJ? Which. Um. I, like I, I really don't have a lot to say. Like DJ fought a really yeah, I, good fight. Yeah, I was gonna say it's it's one of those fights where I feel like you, the only thing you could critique is just the judging, depending on like how you score fights. But in terms of what we saw, like they both put on as good a performance as you could, as you would want your fighter to put on. Like exactly. Like I mean, I, I'm I'm still out here caping for Hatsuhiyoki. <laughs> against Craig Rita. So, like, you know, know my pain, but... Th- I think that's the most, like... Not, not vitriol, but... That's def- I-, I was definitely on the end of more uh, hate mail than I've ever gotten before for that one. <laughs> Which is really weird. But... <laughs> People send hate mail over Hatsuhio? <laughs> dude, the day... Like, I was super pissed about that decision. Uh, maybe I went off a little too much on it. Or I don't maybe? even remember. I don't even remember that fight. So that's not. That's I vaguely, I vaguely remember, and I, I'm pretty sure I felt the same. Uh, I was like, they fought one. 
Yeah, no. Uh, Clay Guida took him down and basically fought off submissions for like three rounds, and uh-huh. like his face was that, his face was black and blue by the time it was over. I was gonna say that that's kind of how I feel about Mighty Mouth and Miguel Torres. Midas's face wasn't black and blue. Uh-huh. Just throwing that out there. That's exactly how I felt about that fight. Oof. But that's not the news. Just so y'all know where some of my hatred stems from. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like. I'm curious how this fight plays out if um if DJ doesn't break his foot, but that actually that actually has me concerned because like ever since the um I guess like right before the Tim Elliott fight, like DJ's been getting hurt a lot lately. Like he this is a dude who in what was it 2014 2015 had fought three times that year, mm-hmm. and and now it seems like he's needing longer and longer breaks in between fights, um. It took a, it took a while for his shoulder to heal up after um, his last fight against Ray Borg. Like we we uh, we know that the, these lighter weights age a little faster, and DJ's only thirty one, thirty two, so thirty one years old. He'll be thirty two like in a week. But he also has like thirty fights on his uh, to his credit. Been fighting pro for over a decade now. Like obviously, I don't think he's about to fall off a cliff and just start getting knocked out by like Sergio Pettis and uh, Dustin Ortiz or whatever. But uh, he still starts the rest of this. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it does have me concerned for a rematch with Cejudo, who's probably only going to get better from here. Yeah. So, yeah. I'll, I'll throw this out there. I thought this was an interesting observation. I don't remember who I saw this from or heard this from, but um, some somebody said they they at least the, the way they read it, like after the decision was read, like DJ almost looked like relieved. Yeah. Or like, I almost say because I think they they phrased it as like that he was relieved that he lost. I, I won't go that far. Like I don't think he ever goes in a fight wanting to lose, but. Or maybe it was a thing where, like, he's not so mad at the loss because, I mean, you got to imagine you've been champ for God knows how long. That's that's a lot of pressure. And now it's like, obviously a loss is a terrible thing, but maybe the silver lining is like, I lost. I can kind of, like, breathe now. Like, I'm not, I'm not chasing this. I mean, you, you already had, like, a crazy streak going. <laughs> so it's just like, you know... Maybe it took something off of him. I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it can make him better. Maybe after this, he's not so, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I've never heard him talk about it, but I'd imagine being a champ for that long. Like like I said, it's, it's a lot of stress to carry around when you're just, you're that good and people pretty much just expect you to win every fight in pretty, like, dominant fashion. So Maybe he, well, he um, doesn't have to respond to any more um why isn't Demetrius Jackson popular? Right. Articles. <laughs> right. So. so, like, maybe maybe this is, like, a good thing. Like, he loses, you know, he, he just, he takes that loss. He kind of just, you know, you can just go back to the drawing board. Now all of that pressure of you continuing this crazy streak and all of that just kind of fades to black. And you can just kind of just relax and do your thing now. Um I don't know, but it does make me interested though to see. Like, I I feel like the only way to go is a, a straight rematch. I, I don't 
see what else. There, there are no other fights to me that makes sense. Like I, I get Cejudo calling out, um, calling out TJ. <laughs> I was gonna say, is getting two belts the new thing now? Like I mean, that's a lot of money, is, man. Is, yeah, is, is that gonna be the new, the new like mark? Because I feel like that <laughs> that as of late. Has kind of been the yeah the thing. I mean, you you had Dave Branch in World Series of Fighting, who was middleweight and light heavyweight. Obviously, we had Connor. Uh, Cannot, his situation was a little different, believe. but you know, he, I refuse to believe. We're about to mention Dave Branch in the same breath as Conor McGregor. Oh, we're definitely Conor McGregor Dave and Dave Branch. And Henry <laughs> Dave Branch was <laughs> Dave I, Branch I, was I, the catalyst. We, we get it, <laughs> but you know, no disrespect to Dave Branch. By mentioning him with Connor and like you know Hasehudo, because Dave I, Branch is on a, he's on another level. I understand he did beat Tiago Santos. I must give props credit where it's due. Exactly. But it just seems like everybody's chasing. I, I think maybe it's like a byproduct of the I don't know the the super fight. I yeah, know, look, I, I, I think I think it, super but. fight has replaced the money fight in terms of people like that's kind of what they think is in. Yeah. The press conference afterwards is very interesting because Dana White. After these press conferences, I think is when you get him at his rawest. Because it's like immediate reaction. He has to have an immediate answer for everything that just happened over the course of five hours beforehand as it pertains to the organization going forward. Mm. And I get the feeling that they never considered for a single second Cejudo could win this fight. <laughs> but here, here, here's why. Afterwards, like, I think that they went into this event thinking whoever wins between Garbrandt and Dillashaw, they're going to fight Mighty Mouse. Like, that was the setup. And their argument was, you know, Mighty Mouse, if you deal, you know, if he fights a guy like Garbrandt or Dillashaw, it's the most marketable fight you can possibly have. And I don't think they ever considered that Cejudo could be a, like a monkey wrench in the plan. Because realistically, you never, you would have never imagined that if you're, if you're a fight promoter and you have a guy so dominant, you always do the token anything can happen. But you have a comfort level in believing that Mighty Mouse will never lose. I don't think they ever considered that Cejudo could pull that off. Because afterwards, it was like, well, could Cejudo fight Mighty Mouse again? And with Mighty Mouse's history in the division, it'd be like, yeah, I mean, I think an immediate rematch makes sense. But he was kind of like, it's a possibility. So then the next follow-up would be, well, Cejudo's going to fight Dillashaw, because they both kind of called each other out and were cool with the idea. And his response to that was, it's a possibility. So I don't think they have a surefire route that they want to go because I think they believe that Dillashaw was going to, or Dillashaw Garbrandt winner fights Mighty Mouse and that's that solved. Now they have to figure out we've had this guy who's been our champion for this long. We've been kind of saddled. I bet there are people in those offices who believe that they've been saddled with Mighty Mouse. That like this guy can't draw, he can't this, can't that. Like we're stuck with this guy got to find somebody to beat him well a champion coming down from another weight class that's got to be like an easy fight to sell because people want to see this guy lose well now he lost but he lost in a split decision to a guy that you kind of didn't really have any plans for in terms of major star power and it's a split decision too so now you're kind of obligated and compelled to do a rematch that you might not want to do because then you might wind up in the same situation all over again so they were kind of, it was very interesting how pensive they were about Mighty Mouse discussions and about Cejudo discussions as well. Did not feel like oh. the same case with 
Dillashaw, who he was like, yeah, you could fight, you know, there's like Cruz and there's a Sun Sal and this guy and that guy. Yeah, he, he's got options. Right. So I, I think their attitude is we're kind of stuck now. Well, see, <laughs> I think, well, you, you could be right and probably are because, yeah, I mean, in, in, in some way I can't blame him because DJ just, we're just used to him just winning and winning and winning. But I, I feel safe saying consensus that pretty much everybody thought, I mean, after, after DJ beat Dotson twice and Benavidez twice, if there was one guy who was going to challenge Mighty Mouse, it was going to be Cejudo. He, he he was the I think he was the only guy that people looked at and thought like he might have a he might have a shot. And I was thinking too like I don't get how you can't market him like he he's got Olympic credentials now he's a UFC champ like I feel like there's something something there. There's got to be something. I mean there. I concur on paper I concur, but Cejudo's kind of uh, dull. I didn't even want to say that I was just gonna say like almost unreliable. Because remember, this is a guy who, like, LF, LFC at the time laughed when he left. And his first fight in the UFC, he couldn't make weight. They pulled the card. Like, pulled him off the card. So I wonder if they're just like, do we trust him? Can you trust the Because, look, none, n- none of us here in this little conversation has ever promoted an event. But goddamn, we could promote a cross, you know, like, we could promote an Olympic champion who speaks two languages. Yeah. You don't have to be, you don't have to be Vince McMahon. To pull that off all right so if they can't do it or if there's tension about doing it there's got to be something there because at one point during the presser they were like oh you know he's like he speaks two languages he's a national he could be a national star international star and dana was like i guess yeah kind of <laughs> <laughs> they were like you know with the weight he could be like a mexican superstar like de la Hoya. and dana's like i mean if he fights like that yeah sure like there was no concrete <laughs> idea <laughs> that's such a dana so, answer. Like, and i don't think he was trying to discredit cejudo as much as he was just like either he was flummoxed that he won or like I mean, they deal with Henry Cejudo on a we on a you know on a yearly basis. They might have an opinion that's different. Yeah, I I, I can see that. Like, but um, but, but, like, just, just, um, just about his unreliability. That's why I was so happy he called out um TJ. I don't. I hope he doesn't get the fight. But, like the the book on Cejudo is, he 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 gets his goal and then he just kind of stops. Yeah, like, because that was that was a uh, you know that that was his wrestling career. Like he he won the Olympic gold medal, didn't wrestle for like three and a half years. Basically, just went on like a giant like speaking tour to be like a, uh, a what you call it motivational. Uh, yeah, 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 motivational speaker for like biz. Like... <laughs> so he needs these these quote unquote super fights to keep him going. Yeah, oh well, yeah, like I I think he needs a new goal, like. It, it, it was pretty clear up until the last DJ fight, the first one, I mean, um, he was half-assing it. Oh, yeah, he was coasting. And, and like, he, he fucking beat, like, a whole bunch of really good fighters in, in the process, but you, you, he was clearly, like, half-assing everything. Um, his, his, his best performance, just to, and this, I think, proves what you're saying. His best performance as a as as a UFC fighter prior to the Mighty Mouse first the first Mighty Mouse fight was his debut after he had gotten pulled for not being able to make weight. So I think he almost needs to be like motivated beyond normal means to really get the best out of him. 
Yeah. And I, that's why I was really happy that he called out, like, TJ. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to hang on to this title, and you know, for as long as I can, and then, you know, do something else. It was like, okay, he has another goal in, in mind, and he's going to work towards that. And I think he came out and was like, I want to be a triple crown champion and, like, win a belt in three divisions. Yeah, good luck with that, but... Um, but <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm happy he has the goal in mind. Like, I'm, I'm legitimately happy. Like, okay, he's going to keep working. Like, he's not going to win the belt and then all, like, decide, like, tomorrow he doesn't want to do this anymore. Right, right. Because so, he, had, he uh, admitted that he quit. Like, he quit MMA after he missed weight. Like, after he missed weight in his debut, he said he quit, and then they had to talk him back into trying again. And now he's, you know, he just beat the best fighter of, of my generation, at least. So, I don't And know. he's still hella young. Like, not in age-wise. He's the same age as DJ, but, like, he's only been fighting for, like, five years. Yeah. Quick, quick rise. <laughs> Unre- unrelated, by the way. Henry Cejudo has the weirdest shaped head in MMA. <laughs> and I think that's why he takes those shots so well. From like, because DJ hit him flush a few times. His head is really oddly shaped, like for a flyweight. Dude, he's he has like, like a, he has like a middleweight head. Yeah, he does. He looks like a bobblehead. <laughs> like odd job from. <laughs> a very very unique shaped head for him. Oh man! But yeah, like. <laughs> I, I don't know, and I never thought I would see the day where Mighty Mouse would lose again. Not until he was so faded. And think about it. Anderson Silva, Stipe Miocic, um, BJ Penn, pick your greatest of all time, whatever, whatever. They all had, like, traumatic falls. Mighty Mouse's fall was a split decision he might have won. So I think that speaks to his yeah. greatness. Yeah, I, I think if 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 anybody's going to be Mighty Mouse, like, this is the only way it could happen. Like, you just got to find some way to stay in the fight long enough to make it competitive and hope you did enough <laughs> to win. Mighty Mouse. Because I think outside of, you know, outside of Dotson, you know, who just had, like, raw knockout power, like, most other people just don't have that. Right. So. And, and Mighty Mouse kills people in the clinch. Because I, I did a whole retrospective on his career going into the Borg fight. And every time he was in the clinch, he won. He won every single one. And I'm like, Cejudo needs to not clinch with him. And I'll be damned if he didn't win at least enough in the clinch to get takedowns to set up whatever else he was working on. So good for Cejudo. He basically beat Mighty Mouse, quote-unquote, in his wheelhouse. And I had it for Cejudo, so. We'll, we'll, we'll see. But uh, props to Cejudo, man. But like I said, amazing fight from both fighters. I'm I'm hoping they do the the instant rematch. I'm pretty sure it'll be just as good as this one was. Um, but on to the next fight: Hanato Moicano, Cub Swanson. Um, man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Moicano is this dude's legit, man. This dude is, and it's crazy because like when when I watch him fight, it's not like. He's not like the flashiest dude. It's not like anything, you know, really, really like sticks out a bunch. But he's just really effective at what he does do. And it just, more often than not, seems to just work <laughs> every single time. Um, he cracked Cub with that jab a few times. 
But I didn't think he would end the fight with a jab that would just, like... It reminded me of, um... Cerrone and, um... Uh... Barboza. Cerrone and... Yeah, Barboza, where he just... He just flicks it out there, and I don't know what separated that jab from all the other ones, but... Dude, that thing was a piston. <laughs> like, he just, like... He floored him with his jab. Like, you, you could not draw up a, a better... A better jab, man. Like, he floored him with that jab, and then... He sunk in the choke, and for, like, a brief second, I thought it wasn't under the chin, so I was like, oh, maybe Cub will get out, but... Nah, he, he, he shut that down. Um... Yeah, man. Uh, Mui Kano's a beast. This this man is a, uh, you know, he he's not like the you know the the most popular fighter. He's not you know in front of the screen all the time, all that, all that good stuff. But you, you throw him in there with anybody, and it is not going to be an easy night. Like <laughs> you you need to be on your 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 p's and q's. And that jab had to have been something because we've seen Cub take some shots, like. The the the, the do who choi fight where he he got rocked pretty hard a bunch of times and still managed to carry on and here Moicano just hits him with a, a just a, a bullet of a jab and it just floors him like Moicano's a monster that's that's all I can say and I felt bad for Cub man I, I didn't realize Cub's loss is this three straight yep. now yep. two by stoppage yeah man yeah it's uh <clears throat> Rough, rough times, <laughs> rough times. But Moicano's an animal, man. This dude is—he's is, for real. Uh, dude's like one of the cleanest strikers at 145. Um, he he gets overlooked because, like you say, he's not like uh, Max Holloway or like a Jose Aldo, or even like a Brian Ortega, but like. Speak like speaking of the Brian or like the Brian Ortega fight was basically Ortega walking onto um, Moicano strikes before Moicano just got really tired and shot for a double like out like panicking like he he's really good I I don't like, I I don't know what else to say like what's his uh rank uh. As of today, not that rankings probably. Matter <laughs> anymore, <but. laughs> just, 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 to, just the FYI. <laughs> is, he, is he in the top five? Uh, he should be after that, but I'm not yeah, sure. He should be. He is. The dude is. Oh, he's well. They haven't updated the rankings yet. He was at number ten. Yeah. I'm assuming he's gonna be at number six, and they're gonna have him behind Chad Mendez. That would be a fun fight. Yeah, I am. <clears throat> As I kind of said going into this, um, one guy was fighting fights that mattered, and another guy was winning the fights that you were seeing. Uh, Hanato Moicano has always been kind of under the radar, but Jeremy Stevens, um, Calvin Cater, uh, even Zubair Tuhogov, who we haven't seen in a while, is really good. And, you, he, of course, he fought Brian Ortega. Whereas Cub Swanson's winning streak that kind of got him back into prominence relevance was guys like Artem Lobov, Hakran Diaz, uh, and Duho Choi. So 
I don't know why Moicano, like, I know Moicano was a big betting favorite, but to the casual people that I was talking to, it was like, well, Cub Swanson's just fighting some Brazilian guy. Moicano's really, really, really been good, and he's been really, really, really consistently good. Whereas Cub Swanson, the whole Cub Swanson, the whole reason you would have bet on Cub Swanson is, well, normally when he's in this position, he wins. He normally has the big comeback fight. But Moicano wasn't going to give him the openings that Duho Choi was going to give him be it virtue, inexperience, or just a lack of an, uh, just a lack of ability. Ricardo was just on another level, and I truly believed going into this card that he was a top five featherweight, and I think that this should have solidified him as a top five heavyweight. Uh, heavyweight uh, featherweight. He he's a top five featherweight. You can put Ortega, Aldo, Holloway, and Edgar in any order you want, but Moicano needs to be number five. Because I I who, Chad Mendez, Mursad Bektik. Um, Volkanovski, they all have good wins, but not Moicano level performances. Yeah, and I guess, and as much as I love Chad Mendez, the knock on him would be like he's he's been gone for so long. Like we still gotta, he, he still gotta, you know, come back. The division's kind of been different since he's been there. More, more people have emerged. Absolutely. So, yeah, but th- those two fighting would be awesome. I knew Cub was in trouble where he uncorked a right hand on Moicano that I thought would have floored him. And he just kind of ate it, and I was like, "Oh." The only guys to give <laughs> the only guys to give Moicano trouble go to the body, and Cub Swanson can go to the body, but not consistently. And he doesn't go to the body when he starts to get troubled. So I knew that if Moicano took him out of his game early, it, it was gonna be it was gonna be a pretty smooth performance for him. And Moicano Mendez sounds amazing. Give me that fight. Yeah, that's I'm I'm there for that. That's that's a fun. And I think out of that fight, you get a legit, like, <laughs> whoever win that could possibly just fight for a title next. I mean, Stevens is he's kind of out of the picture. Um, I don't have the rankings in front of me. You know what I just noticed? I was going to mention this. I don't even know when I was going to throw this in there. I used to always pull the rankings up before every podcast. But I just realized <laughs> that they're futile. They don't matter anymore, so I don't look at them even anymore. Even Dana said, like, I can't remember what show it was afterwards. But he's like, I don't know. Sometimes the rankings do weird shit between, like, the Saturday of the event and the Monday morning. But maybe don't clear every, like, Tom and uh, fucking Jane who applies to be on the damn ranking board. Right. He's not paying any attention to who's applying. He's That's not his, that's yeah. not his job. Yeah, he did, Kudos think. to Moicano, by the way, for calling out Aldo. I thought that was really important. Oh, I didn't even know he did that. Well, he didn't call him out, but he wants to. He, he expressed an interest, quote-unquote, in fighting him. That's Man. a smart move. I mean, oh, I, but I, I will say though, about, that's, that's one guy you don't want to take a body shot from. Uh, not only that, but I don't know if I want to live in Brazil and call out Jose Aldo. Yeah. Hey man, that, that man is it's a brave soul. I'm not mad though. I'm not. I'm not mad at it. But um, yeah, man, Moicano's a beast. If if he's not on your radar, he, he should have been. But if he's not, he, he should be now. Dude, dude is is definitely legit top five material. Um, moving on to this next fight, J.J. Aldridge, Poliana Viana. Um, I don't remember this fight. <laughs> I remember. Fair, fair enough. I, rem- um. <laughs> I remember Viana fighting with her left hand down. Um, I remember her trying to get up. A lot of this fight was like in the clinch. Um. Viana was like trying to get it to the ground, but I don't even, I don't remember if it went to the ground all that much. 
Um, yeah, remember Aldridge marching forward, she landed some hands. I don't know, I feel like there wasn't a ton of eventfulness in this fight. No, nah, not really. I, I, full disclosure here, um, I, like, I, uh, I've been sick, so I was feeling really hot, so I took a shower during this fight and kind of just forgot it existed until right now. Yeah. Um, oh. it, it, like, the first round was basically Aldridge and Viana like, pushing each, up, uh, pushing each other up against the cage. With Aldridge like getting, I guess, uh, the upper hand, and DC and Joe Rogan losing their mind over the fact that Aldridge would go to the clinch with like a jujitsu champion. And then the second and third round was Aldridge just kind of walking Vienna down and occasionally landing like a clean straight left hand to her uh, right up uh, right up the middle, and Vienna since she was just standing straight up in the air with her hand down giving tagged. And then being surprised by it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I think Aldrich Aldrich took her down like once. I think that's what you that's what you talk about. Like it went to the ground, but she got up almost immediately. Oh no, it was Vienna jumped guard. Vienna jumped guard, and then Aldrich like after a minute of sitting her guard, Aldrich just decided to stand up, and the fight continued as such. Worth. Oh. I was gonna say that yeah, it's not not a ton to really dissect <laughs> over that fight. Though I was, oh, that's probably gonna sound rude. If no, I go this, go ahead, say it. Go ahead, set it down. Yeah, when I when I looked at the car, I was like, "This is on the main." Well, I mean, it's not rude because I, I said the same thing, so we're both in trouble then. <laughs> I was like, I can look at a couple of other fights that probably could have, you know. I mean, I ain't mad at them, you know. Get, get your get your shine, you know, be, be on the main card of a pay-per-view, all your friends, all that good stuff. Um, yeah, I was just puzzled that this was on a main card. Um, um, what the? And, uh, uh, my guess is they wanted, they thought Vienna could be somebody. Right. Vienna or Aldrich, because, like, you know, uh, Aldrich managed to get a good fight out of Daniel Taylor. <laughs> so... So uh, um, it was probably Vienna who they had like. I would, I would, have, I would assume. So that now makes eight straight strawweight fights that have not gone to a finish yet, in a row. The last finish for a strawweight fight was in May, and since uh, since the end of June, there have been just two women's MMA fights that have gone to a finish. So this division, these divisions need to, they need finishes in the worst way. And uh, there have been 20, here, here's, here's fun, here's, a, here's a, a question. Do you think there have been more women's MMA fights since the start of May or lightweight fights? I'm going to go lightweight. What about you, Anna? Uh, I'm going to go lightweight as well, but probably not by much. They are tied. 24 apiece. Wow. 20, uh, no, not lightweight, welterweight. There have been uh, 19 lightweight fights. So, there are more women than MMA fights than lightweight fights. And, and, uh, just, whenever they put these, I feel bad, because whenever they put these women, you know, like women MMA fights on the main card, they automatically get disparaged because there's a lack of a finish. Like, the, people kind of go into it with a lack of belief that there's going to be a finish. Plus, 
people are right, I suppose. And so. I feel like for me, it's not the lack of finish. It's just like, of all the straw weights you could have picked no. <laughs> to put on the main card, these aren't the first two names that. <laughs> no, because I don't. I don't disagree. The UFC 228 main card, and I've already seen complaints about it. But it's like all of those fights are quality fights. Like uh, Nico Montano and Valentina Shevchenko is a quality fight. Tatiana Suarez and Carla Spars is a quality fight. Carolina and, and Andrade are all quality fights. Yeah, and see, in those fights, like they hold like weight. Yeah, to them. Like, they're like, re- the winners of those. Like there's a storyline somewhere in in those fights. With this, it's just kind of like. If you'd have threw this on a prelim, I, I wouldn't have blinked at it. It was like, oh, all right, that's No, it cool. was, it was, but, a, I'm, I'm totally with you. I'm just saying that yeah. women's MMA, as long as they're going to be on these main cards, they're always going to have, like, a different expectation level on them because they're still an, a member, there's still a portion of this audience that doesn't want them. And so when it goes through these, like, finishless streaks, it really does stand out. Because specifically at strawweight, which is the best weight class. So... You obviously can't force finishes, but this division could really use somebody or like a streak where they kind of get some, some subs and some KOs real quick. I really thought we were going to get a finish in that uh, that the 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 Wei Li Zhang and Danielle Taylor fight earlier in the fight, but oh boy, that that fight, Danielle Taylor puzzles. We'll get to it, as you would say. We'll as, we'll get to it <laughs> as you're as you're, as you're we'll... apt to say. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get to that, but um, <laughs> shout out to DJ Aldridge. She won via unanimous decision, uh, and to round out the main card, uh, one of the funnest fights uh, uh, that we saw that night: Tiago Santos uh, versus Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland was an extra late <laughs> replacement. Uh, <laughs> who, who was the original? I forgot. Tiago Santos was going to fight Gustafson. He was he agreed to step up. Oh, yeah, 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 So, yeah, this, this was, like, super last minute. Um, yeah, this this, this, <laughs> this fight was entertaining for a lot of reasons. I mean, for one, any Santos fight, you just know, win or lose, it's, it's, it's going to go no other way but violent. Um he lands some real. His ground and pound is really like terrifying. Everything he does is terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, he. I don't understand how he even generates that much force. <laughs> like, his ground and pound is. I was afraid for like Holland's life, and it was, it was wild because if, for people who don't know, I mean, uh, Kevin Holland was on Dana White's uh, Contender series. Um, he he's very animated to say the least. Um, he has full-blown conversations while in the middle of fights. <laughs> it's it's kind of bizarre to watch, but it's, it's it's entertaining. But a lot of props to Holland, though, man. Like your debut is against like a, a top ten middleweight or was top ten or top fifteen? I can't remember if he's thirteenth. Yeah, but either way, like your debut is against a killer. Um, he he looked really composed out there. I mean, obviously. He lost. I, I think some there's some some holes in his game uh, that he, he needs to work on. But he, he never really like withered away. He he was trying a lot of creative stuff. He tried like the flying. I don't know what that was. The flying almost caught up. Yeah. He, he, I think it was a triangle, but he was just really tired. Yeah. He did, <laughs> he did something wild. 
he was trying, man. Um, he did, I think, at one point late in the round, like he rocked or stunned Santos for like a second, but uh, I think he ended up like getting taken down or something. But um, Santos landed some bombs on him, man. He he landed some really violent hits. I was props to Holland just for like not getting put away. Like he he kept himself in the fight. <laughs> he talked a lot of trash while he was on the ground. Um, yeah, it was just really entertaining. Uh, and I guess props to Santos also for taking this fight. Like, uh, if, you, if you you go from fighting Gustafson, which if you win that fight, definitely does a lot for you, to basically fighting a no-name. Um, like, that, that's, that's a dangerous fight. Like, if, if, if this would have went another way, if in some alternate world, <laughs> Holland would... And he had that arm bar in the beginning that he almost had sunk in for like a second but Santos got out of it like if this fight goes the other way you know that's that's not good for for you like you definitely lose that top 13 ranking and this guy comes in and just leapfrogs you um but yeah just really entertaining fight but like I said man Santos is a ground and pound is really terrifying to watch um but it's also fun just watching Kevin Holland on the ground just have these random side conversations <laughs> while he's dodging like incoming just bombs from from Santos but yeah th- this was one of the one of the more fun fights on on the card definitely one you guys should go back and and watch it was, it was pretty entertaining I don't even know how to describe the fight <laughs> <laughs> Santos is like the most athletic bar brawler I've ever seen <laughs> Dude. Oh my god, like I think it over Holland's like flying almost lot of attempts. Because it wasn't really flying, it was like Yeah, Santos was like trying to take him down and he just like, okay, I'm going to the ground. I'm going to throw my leg over his back and see what happens. Um like I can't Besides, like, Yoel Romero, I can't think of, like, a scarier fighter to fight at middleweight than Diego Santos. Because everything he throws looks like it hurts. Mm. Um, Shouts to Holland for being, like, the first dude who didn't knock Santos out to actually, you know, go to the go to decision with him since, like, uh, Elias Theodoro. Yeah. So it's been, like, a solid two years. Which doesn't sound like a lot until you realize that Santos has fought like ten times in that span. Um, is he going up to two hundred five? He 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 talked about it. Um, it seems like it is because I think he's uh, having trouble with the weight cut. Like it's becoming too much. I mean, he he already beat the number six fighter in the division, <laughs> right? <laughs> like not even six months ago. So. I guess he's a top five fighter now. I'm with yeah, it. Bye, bye. I mean, by MMA math. <laughs> I'm with it. I'm I'm here for Santos versus Manoa or Latifi. I I I said it. Like I don't know what I don't know what planet you want you live on, but if you don't want to see Tiago Santos Ian Kutelaba, hey, hey. And it should it shouldn't even be in a cage. It should be in like a ring of fire. <laughs> <laughs> Just have them throw down. It'll be like in a. Uh, kickboxer, they'll, they'll put the uh, the wraps around his glove, give him the glass. <laughs> 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 I 
<laughs> just make it extra violent for no reason. You know, I wanted it bare knuckle. <laughs> I want bare knuckle, but not like in like bare knuckle FC. Like I wanted like a real bare knuckle arena, which is basically like <laughs> four <laughs> barrels of hay, <laughs> and, and they're and they're like three feet from each other, and that's the ring. Oh man. I had a bare knuckle note that I was gonna write down, and I just glossed over. Like I don't want. <laughs> we can talk about your second favorite thing. Uh, like I said, Tiago Santos would probably fight in that night, that night organization with no shield. Yes. <laughs> and walk through everything. A fucking mallet. <laughs> <laughs> he pulls off the hammer his from his chest. chest. He just removes. <laughs> Yeah, man, that's that's a scary. I'm here for dark matter, Tiago uh, Santos. <laughs> what do, what do we think of Kevin Holland though? Do we, what do you guys think of? Uh, I guess I don't know potential. You know, do you think maybe bringing him in was too? Well, I don't know, too too fast. Um... So he's 25 and only been fighting for three years. Um, like. Stick him on some prelims and like I want I, I want to see what he does when because Santos is really one of those um never die fighters like there's a reason that he's only been to decision once in like three years it's because he doesn't know how to turn it off and and that's great when you're when everything you throws has the power to knock somebody out. But it also leaves you open. It leaves you openings like the one Holland exploited, where he took him down and was basically on top of him for the entirety, of like the second half of the second, second round. round. Yeah. So, um, like, I, I'm not sure where Holland's at. Like, it, he's tough. He's tough as shit. And he's got a great frame for fighting. So, uh, I'm interested. I'm, I'm not gonna put a. I'm not gonna like try uh, try and put a ceiling because this is the only fight I've seen of him. I haven't seen the um the Dana White contender series fight yet. He was he was very composed against Santiago in the Dana White Tuesday Night Contender series. He uh, he did plenty of ch- chatting and uh, you know same old same old talking. They said that actually that was the reason he didn't get signed after that. There were think, yeah, and there there like were that. a few moments where it felt like he could have finished the fight, but just kind of never stepped on the gas. Uh, for me, I just don't want to see this guy get the Lando Venata treatment. Like he's fun. He came in on short notice. He put on a performance that got people talking about him, and with Lando, it was like, okay, now let's let's see how fast we can get him there, like to the end of the, to the top of the division. Give yeah, Holland some time. Yeah. 185 is thickening up pretty well. Give him a little bit of time. If he wants to go back to 170, you know that's interesting. He only cut like seven pounds, and he only rehy- like he didn't rehydrate too far up, out of 185. So maybe he goes back down. Maybe he goes to 170, but. I prefer to see him at 185. Just don't rush him. Give him time. Yeah, like, and I, I think the benefit is he did it. Like his performance wasn't, you know, exactly like Venata's, where uh, Venata got because he was basically he was basically one punch away from beating Tony Ferguson. For which was right. Although I think that was more of an indictment of Tony Ferguson just being a total goof. Like exactly. Like if if, <laughs> if you put anybody in there with Tony Ferguson, he will give them a chance to do something. 
Which makes it all the more miraculous that he's won like 13 fights in a row. <laughs> I'm not here for the Tony Ferguson slander. <laughs> but yeah, just don't yeah, rush Holland. Give yeah. him some time. Let him let him develop at his own pace. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. I agree. Put him put him on a prelim somewhere. No, he just he got hit with a hammer fist that looked like his head was gonna go through the cage. Like through the mat. <laughs> and he was still talking as after. <laughs> right. <laughs> that was the wildest part. It's like, do you, do you not know your life is on the I, line right I now? I would be like, you ever see, uh, what was it? God. Space Jam when Tweety Bird's in like the iron lung at halftime. <laughs> if Santos hit me with one of those, I would be in the iron lung. Like it was just brutal. <laughs> I think that's what I like about him. Like he seems so. He's different. Yeah, he, he's he's something different. You, you throw him in there, you're gonna get a win or lose. It's gonna be an experience. <laughs> so yeah, props to Kevin Holland, man. That's that's a really tough fight to have on such short notice. And I mean, it's it's a, just a miracle he didn't get finished. Like I th- I think in that in that event itself is at least like a moral victory. Right. But uh, Thiago Santos, if you're going to 205, man, I'm all for it. Go up go up there and wreak havoc. Uh, breathe some life into a division that could uh, use it. Get, get some of those other older uh, gentlemen. It's <laughs> it's insane to think this. He fought at 170. On on Jesus. tough, he fought at 170. Tough Brazil. He must have died. On he fought game. three times. Like that's why of all the things that like when they get rid of tough. That's going to be the number one thing that I'm just going to be happy will never happen again. Like, those guys having to make that weight three times in, like, a filming session, like, he made weight three times at 170. It's just crazy. Yeah. And he lost to, to Leonardo Santos, who's a 155-er. So that's just madness. Yeah. Although we don't even know if he exists anymore. Leonardo Santos has disappeared. He's a, he's a myth. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't he want, I thought he, uh, what happened, didn't he have a fight that got announced and then, I don't know, I don't know. I feel like, I, like, a, a year ago, I saw his name float around, he's going to have a fight and then something. Every, every, he was going to fight Nick he Lentz. He went back into the shadows. He was going to fight Nick Lentz at some, like, June or July um, Brazilian show. A UFC yeah. fight night, one thirty. oh, he's going to fight at 131. Uh, the one that Tamer, David Tamer took. Yes. He's going to the Rivera Moraes fight. Yeah, part. which Tamer, I think, wound up taking that fight. Yeah, and he ended up, I think he broke his hand or something. God. All I know is that I never oh. want to hear a comment about my love for Francisco Chinaldo because Leonardo Santos is clearly the guy who gets the most undue mentions every time I'm on here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he beat Thiago Santos. Uh, you know what, though? Right. But that was, that was, first off, that's reality television. We know that that's not real. <laughs> okay, it was reality TV. Nothing just came out that like the UFC was telling fighters on Tough to Lose. What if it just came out? What, what, if, what if it just came out that the UFC is like, these um, aren't real fights. Blow, blow it, we'll give you like $20,000. I mean, why, did, why didn't they tell that to whoever was fighting Kimbo? Roy Nelson, right? Maybe they tried to. Oh, man. That's why they don't like him. <laughs> Understood. Oh, man. I don't know. <laughs> well, that was the, the main card. Uh, going on to the prelims, which are actually pretty fun. Also, uh, 
feature bout on the prelims, Pedro Munoz and Brett Johns. Um, very entertaining fight, but poor Brett Johns. I mean, dude is is as tough as you can be, but my God, did he eat just a lot of strikes. Just a lot, <laughs> just a lot of punishment. Um, he got his leg pretty brutally beat up. Um, got everything but the kitchen sink pretty much thrown at him. Um, I got knocked down three different ways. <laughs> I don't know what else to say other than like the fight was really entertaining, but it was it's one of those fights that was like one sided but still fun to watch because you were just looking at Johns and it's like how are you still standing right now and you're actually like you're throwing shots back, you're still trying to be in this fight, but in real life you should be dead. Well the like, the answer to that is <laughs> Pedro Munoz kind of just kept letting him go. Yeah, he... They're, they're, <laughs> I, I, I dropped you on a leg kick. I'm, I'm going to freaking jump. I'm going to jump down for an inverted heel. Right. <laughs> I think I think Eric Cole said it best. He was committed to the gimmick of the guillotine. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, fuck, I got to hit my finish. Yeah, like, he, oh, I hate when fighters, unless you're, like, God-level submission, like a the Damian Maia hey, type. Pedro Munoz probably has the best guillotine in MMA. But it's, I don't know, man. Like, it, clearly we know who's winning the stand-up battle. Like, it's not, it's not even a question. And it's just, like, you keep rocking them, and then you just go for these submissions, and nothing happens. And you think after like the first time, first two times, you'd be like, "All right, maybe I shouldn't do this." But he just kind of—he saw it as a challenge. I mean, I mean, how about the best part is the true best part is like, "All right, Brett Johns gets back up. Whatever happens, you know, guy recovered." It was like Pedro Munoz was was begging him to knock him out. Just hit him with the same overhand right over and over and over. And Munoz never did anything to like, "Oh man, maybe I should block that." He just got hit with the same punch over and over in the second round. He's only got one chance to win, and you're giving it to him. Pedro Munoz is the most frustrating 135er in the history of the world. He just is. Hey, you're not wrong. <laughs> Lucky for him, he, he didn't end up on the wrong side of a highlight reel. Um, cost really himself 50 grand. Yeah. Yeah, he's really lucky Brett Chance isn't really a finisher. Like, yeah, because I was going to say, like, could you imagine what would have happened if, like, he, he goes for that guillotine, doesn't get it, they stand back up, and Brett John just, like, cracks him <laughs> with the right hand, and he just, like, flatlines him. <laughs> and this, this fight has a completely different narrative. That's why it should have ended. That's, what, that's how it should have ended. The only way you're going to stop bad behavior is by something like that happening. Right. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know, but I, I I like Munoz though, so I'm I'm, I'm happy he got the W. Um, and I mean, and then not to take away from it, like it was a really dominant performance, but it was just one of those performances you just get the sense like if you were fighting somebody in like the top five, and and you gave them that opportunity, it, oof. Who would you Who would you take between Garbrandt and Munoz, both of you? Um, I take Garbrandt. Yeah, I take Garbrandt. Okay. I, I think Munoz would. He might. He, he would start off good, and then he'll just leave one opening that, you know, ends up costing him. 
I just think the speed difference. Like you look at the Dotson fight for uh, Munoz. Or... Yeah, he couldn't. He couldn't catch yeah. him. He couldn't. Yeah. yeah. But congrats to Munoz. And if there's an award, a, a tough guy award, kind of trophy to give to Brett Johns for just living through this fight. You know, hats off to him. Uh, next fight: Ricky Simon and Montel Jackson. Um, all I remember from this fight is wrestling. Just takedowns and such. But I don't like it. Re- <clears throat> Go ahead. You remember the fight then, basically. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I, I, don't, I don't know what, what else really happened. I mean, I, I was happy Simon won. I root for LFA guys. So <clears throat> uh, I was happy he got the win. But yeah, I, I remember not much going on other than just a lot of wrestling. Dare I <laughs> say grinding. <laughs> the tone in DC's voice when he realized Ricky Simone was a grinder. Oh and he turns to Joe Rogan and just screams, "He's a grinder, Joe." Dude, I was I hate I hate hate hate. There's nothing more physically unappealing as a fight fan than those grinders against the cage. It's nothing. Nothing's happening. <laughs> Oh man! Yeah, I don't think we have much to do. No more grinders in MMA. What? More scrappers. More scrappers. Holy crap! This looks like a lightweight versus a flatweight. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose we can talk about Ricky Simone's hair. Oh, true. That might have been the most exciting thing about the fight, if you want to. Not not exciting, but it stood out. What a dagger! From you of all people, <laughs> you're like the nicest guy. That's a, yeah, this is a nice one. Yeah, but, I, just, I just don't remember yeah. much of this fight. But just uh, it's one of those fights I was watching. I was like, all right, this is on. I guess. Like even when I rewatched it, I think like I rewatched the first round, and then I ended up scrolling on Twitter, and I just you know kind of. In my out. head, I kept calling him Montel Jordan. <laughs> Maybe it was Montel Williams and he was going to plug Money Mutual for us. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, man. He was he was from Contender Series, right? Yeah, they both were. They both were. Yeah. Jordan's got uh, oh. Now he's Montel Jordan. <laughs> wait, isn't he Montel? No, J- wait, who is? This Jackson. Jackson. <laughs> this is definitely not how we do it. Uh, so, you took uh, my joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> they did not go somewhere and get it on that night. That was a bad fight. Um, Jackson's really skilled, like, on the Contender Series against a really good regional Bantamweight. He looked amazing. But there is a difference between the best of the regional scene and even the bottom tier of the UFC. And um, he looked... I don't want to say he looked unprepared. He just looked like a guy who didn't know what to do next each time he had success. So... In time, I think he's going to be really good. He's really only been fighting for a year. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm just saying. I know, like, I'm just, I mean, I, I didn't know that, like, before the fight. Like, I didn't know anything about him, to be honest with you. It's, and I, I could be wrong about this, because I don't watch, like, all of the Contender Series fights. Like, I catch some of them when I can, if somebody happens to catch my eye. But I almost feel like a lot of the guys that they grab, like, a lot of them are talented, but... 
outside of like a few, I feel like not all of them are really UFC ready yet. Like it is. That's a good. They're point. almost. They're too green. Like it, they need like a step. <laughs> like they should send them to LFA and see if they can. I don't know. Like they this is like there's like a step between contender series and the UFC that they need to go through. Before, at least for most. And of I them. think I think they do recognize that because now they're giving out developmental deals where you get to go to you get to right. go to play. It is worth mentioning that Jackson, almost, almost, Montel Jackson took this fight on short notice. So it is worth remembering he was like a two-week, kind of like a call-up. So. Yeah. That's like a fourth of his career. Basically. <laughs> Basically. Uh, but but yeah, no, no more grinders. No more. Or, I, I refuse. <laughs> I refuse to watch. I, honestly, oh, God, I think that was just a product of um, the skill gap. Just the experience gap and just the size. Oh, for sure, for sure. Because I think that Simone showed more against um, Marab Devaj. Like right. I think he, he showcased more <laughs> of his ability. So. Like here, he's like this dude is six feet tall, and like I I can't punch with him because he will knock me out. There was a moment in the clinch, or like they were they were separating and. Simone was desperately trying to get away, and Jackson just had him by the wrist. Dude, it was and, like, dude, yeah, he was literally just grabbing his whole wrist, and and like, he couldn't do anything. <laughs> That's a lunch money tactic right there. <laughs> like I was legit just waiting for him, like him to pick him up by the wrist and throw him out the cage. At that point. <laughs> oh man, but yeah, that 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 fight was a. Uh... It was a, a it fight. Happened. It was a happening. It was a fight. Yeah, it was it was a thing that happened, and we watched it. Well, some of us did, maybe some of us didn't. But sorry, Ricky <laughs> Simone. <laughs> sorry, Montel Jackson slash Jordan yeah. slash Williams. Yeah. <laughs> but either way, Ricky Simone got the W. So congrats to him. Uh, next fight, uh, Ricardo Hamos, Kyung Ho Kang. Um, mm. What happened? What, what, something happened while I was watching this fight. Because I, I, I wanted to see this fight because I like Kang. And, like, I feel like I went to do something when this fight came on. Maybe you couldn't focus because Joe Rogan couldn't focus. So nobody can enjoy the fight. <laughs> I mean, I remember, like, a lot of this was them standing, you know. Just... Yeah, I, I, I wish I could remember. Like, I remember enjoying the fight, but I can't remember, like, specific... <sighs> details really but I, like i felt like i was entertained while i was watching damn if the commentary crew really... gave you a reason to, to fucking pay attention you would have Ugh. <laughs> i'll let anti cole do a round was, it, was this was this the 12 to this is the 12 was to 6 fight? yeah okay yeah let's 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 just completely lose our minds so i meant to go back over this fight because i remember enjoying it but like you all i remember is the 12 to 6 Garbage. Um, Big old trash. I remember being impressed by like Ron Hamos is just like, like he's only twenty two years old. Um, and his striking seems to be coming along like pretty. I don't know quickly is the word I'd use, but like it's coming along. Because like I remember seeing him get who was it that beat his ass. In um, RFA or LFA or Legacy. Um, Vasquez? Manny Vasquez? Yeah. 
I remember him just owning his ass, like, like just physically dominating him. Um, and like, dude has chilled out since then because he does not look like the type of dude gets like thrown around anymore, you know. Um, like I, I, I really like the body punching. Like that was probably my favorite thing. Like you just straight to the body. Like you're that long, why not? Um, Kang fought a really good fight. Like this was a split, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I scored it for Hamos because I, I, I want to see I gave the last round to Hamos. I felt like he started to, he was starting to come on more. Um, but yeah, this, oh, you know, this was a fun fight. I, no, just, no, I just remembered something. Like, Kang looks completely different from the last time I saw him. Like, he, he looks like a completely different person than, like, what was his last fight? St. Louis against Guido Canetti. Yeah, he looked completely different from that. Like, more drained than normal. Oh, could, yeah, okay. Like, either more drained or just more yeah. cut. I can't tell. <clears throat> I don't know, it was, it, was, it was bizarre. Because I remember him being a bulkier. Yeah, I was going to say, when he first got in the UFC, he was pretty... He's pretty stocky. Maybe it's like... Uh... Maybe it's like, you know, um, you hear this sometimes with female fighters who have, like, a pregnancy, and then they drop, like, the pregnant weight, they drop their pregnancy weight, and they wind up going down a weight class because they just drop so much weight. He did go do, like, the military service, so maybe uh, train, sure. military training put his body in a different, you know, like, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm trying, guys. Like, I'm less... Trying. No, I, I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. <laughs> no, let's think more probably cardio and stuff. Yeah, like that's the thing. Like maybe yeah. you know because yeah. we've never, I never looked at the Korean zombie when he came back, so I can't say what, what his body looked like before or after. So, and the zombie did come back. Korean zombie was gone during the USADA era, so like the, the start of USADA. So we don't know what kind of changes his body made. I, like, this fight frustrated me because it was a good fight that I just felt like the commentary could not have given less of a shit about. Yeah. Um, dude, like, I, I really like Ramos. Like, he's 22 years old. There's nothing not to like about him. Like, Brazil needs somebody... Uh, well, he just turned 23. Um, yeah. But Br Brazil needs somebody to, to catch on. and His... Body punching was great. Like you said, some of those... He had like a buggy whip hook that he was just flinging out there that always landed him with power, and I thought that was really impressive. Yeah. And Kang is a sticky grappler, and he, he gave him hell on the ground too, so all thumbs up, really. Yeah. I'm glad I record with you guys because I would not have had any insight. I'm trying. I'm, really, I'm trying. Like, I'm trying. Yeah, same. Like, yeah. I'm not trying. I'm not I trying. Read the decision it's a great fight. Would, it was a good fight, but like I'm like I'm really pissed about. Yeah. yeah, that was really distracting. Moral of the story, guys. If you, if you go back and watch this fight, uh, maybe just mute the audio. No, you know what? We want you to hurt too. So you you watch it with the audio and you. But no, yeah, it was it was a good fight though. It was definitely entertaining. So go back and and check that out. Uh, commentary woes continue <laughs> to this I'll, next fight. I'll let someone else handle this. One. 
Shaman Marias and uh Matt Sales. Um, who who I, Shaman's first fight was against Zabit. Um, Zabit, right? Yeah, like I, I was I was happy he came over because I, I liked him in WSOF. Um, obviously your first fight against Zabit. I mean, for me, because I I. I'd heard of Sabit, but I don't think I'd like watched him fight before that. And then after that fight happened, I was like, oh man, that's I don't know what to tell you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was excited to see you come over, but boy, did they not give you a fun matchup. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, 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 I'm glad he he got this W. Um, I, I think he's a, a talented fighter. Just he fought Sabit, who's just like a phenom. This is kind of one of those fights where it's like. You didn't even really get a chance to show much because you just you fought a dude who was just just uber talented, um, but yeah, he he looked pretty good in this fight. A uh, lot a lot a lot of power shots, but yeah, th- this was a fight where the commentary was kind of wild. <laughs> um, as I said before, we started recording the first time I watched this fight. Uh, the uh, the language was in Spanish. I won't say why it was in Spanish. But if you can put the dots together, you'll, <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll figure that out. <laughs> so I didn't catch the commentary. And I'm glad I didn't because I was able. I, I think I did, though, in the middle of this fight, had to get up and do something. But like while I watched it, I was entertained because I, I saw people on Twitter complaining about the commentary. But mine was in Spanish and they just sounded excited. So I was happy with <laughs> what was going on. Uh, you know, it was, it was a pretty good fight. Good showing for Marais. Uh I was impressed with Sales. Like, he kept a pretty good pace throughout this entire fight. Like, he never looked tired, while also I don't think he was really winning. Um, he still just, like, he kept a good pace. He kept it competitive, but I think Marais was, he was landing the harder shots. Though Sales did start to come on in the third round, um, he, he definitely started picking his game up. He started landing some hard shots, but uh, I thought Sales pretty handedly took the first two. And then when I rewatched the fight this morning, I heard the commentary. And, um, I mean, normally commentary doesn't really bother me. But after I watched it, I was like, okay, now I see what people are talking about. Like, clearly, <laughs> Rogan was, I mean, all right, you, you have your biases. You want to pull for your guy, you know, whatever. But you don't have to be so, <laughs> as I said before we started recording, it was like, it was like, Rogan was watching like his friend fight and even though his friend was losing because he was his friend he just nitpicked on the very small things that he did well to kind of make it seem like he wasn't losing you know he he kept mentioning like oh he's rolling his shoulder while these strikes are happening he's evading damage and so on so forth and it's like all right that might be partially true but he's he's not winning oh (laughs) sales um he, he turned his body so the kick only you know Kind of mostly landed to his ribs, as opposed to fully landed to his ribs. Right. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. So. Yeah. Commentary was was kind of kind of out of control, but that that aside, if you could ignore it, it, it was an entertaining fight. You know, de- decent showing for Marias. Like I said, he, he kind of got in trouble in the third round, but uh, it's a strong kickboxer. Uh, pre- pretty entertaining fight as well. I, I, I was happy with it. Now, I'll let you guys go roast Rogan for his commentary. <laughs> I mean, I don't, don't got to end me. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> Joey, this is all you. Oh, it's all mine. It's my thing. Uh, calling a fight is very hard. Like, even if you, just for the sake of argument, watch a fight on YouTube you've never seen before and try to commentate on it. Just in your room or, like, like with a friend. Try to commentate on it. It's not easy. Um, but I just, I felt like as soon as they mentioned that Matt Sales trains with Alliance, with Dominic Cruz and Alliance MMA, Joe Rogan picked his winner. And it was just a matter of whether or not it was going to come to fruition for him. Because almost all of the commentary was downplaying everything Shaman Marais was doing. And the most minute things that Matt Sales did that were partially impressive were like world enders. And that commentary hurts everybody for two reasons. One, if you're rooting for Shaman Marais, you're going to hate Matt Sales for no reason other than the fact that the commentary is feeding you something you don't want. And so you, you reject it and you backlash about it. If you're rooting for Matt Sales, you're going to hate Shaman Marais because Joe Rogan is telling you everything, everything you want to hear he's telling you, regardless of whether or not it's entirely accurate. And it's not to say that Matt Sales didn't have good moments in the fight, but it was clearly Shaman Marais winning. And so at the end of that fight, nobody's happy because both sides dislike the other person simply because of what the commentary is giving them. And so that helps nobody. And... Joe Rogan's been doing this a long time, longer than I've been a fan. And so when you, when you can pick up on it, if somebody like me who hasn't been doing this, who hasn't been following the sport for a million years can pick up on it, I can imagine other people can pick up on it too and be upset about it. So I got why everybody was mad. And I know that it's just a prelim like filler fight to some people, but it, it, it makes a difference over the grand. It's like the Covington RDA fight or... Khabib ally Aquinta fight. He's the voice that people trust because he's been there the longest. And when his commentary is slightly askew, it's going to upset people. So it's not like people are overreacting. It's, this is not like the first time it's happened recently. So at some point, I, you know, and I, like, I'm not saying that he has to be fired or anything like that, but I just like a little bit more consistency from the lead. He's basically the lead guy because he's the guy who's been there the longest. He's the longest tenured. So when he does stuff like this, it's frustrating because I can, I can see somebody like DC doing it because he's inexperienced and because DC trains with... If DC watches an AKA guy and he's biased, I get it. But with Rogan, it's always just like a very... It's just weird and it's frustrating because you can always tell when it's going to start. And then it's going to carry on no matter what. He didn't end the fight discussing like, hey, great performance by Shaman Marais. He was advocating, what if there was an extra 10 minutes? That completely discredits... Extra 10 minutes and uh, taking a point away yeah, for the... Yeah, that completely discredits Shaman Marais' performance, which was really, really good. So now, if you're somebody who doesn't follow the sport the way that we do, if you hear Shaman Marais' name, your memory might not be, hey, he fought a great fight that was really entertaining, that he won by decision. It's going to be like, oh, that was the guy who, you know, he, he barely beat this other dude. Because the commentary jabronied him. And that's a big problem, specifically if you're trying to get some new guys a little bit of attention. So, and it's un like in my entire rant right there, I never mentioned Matt Sales, what he did well, because it's like I'm, I was so grossed out by the commentary that I almost didn't see him. Because it's like 
what are you feeding me compared to what I'm seeing? I'm seeing him have a good fight, but he's not winning. But my damn, if you're not trying to make it sound like he is. And why? Like, because he trains with Dominic Cruz? Like, come on, let's be fair. Dude, like, this was a pretty clear 2-1, right? I'm not crazy. Yeah, like, I thought... No, Sales, yeah, Shaman definitely threw the Sales first Sales had a great third round, I thought. So, at the end of the fight, it's, you have DC and Rogan on commentary just being, like, they, they're talking about ways that Sales actually won the fight. Like, they, they were talking about how round two was, like, a toss-up to them. This shit is yeah, what they were. Yeah, like, and, and I'm not, look, again, if I had to do that, it would be so hard for me. Like, if I had to call a fight, I would be lost. So I understand that it's difficult, and there's a lot of things going on, but it was like, there was just like, it was like he doubled down on it repeatedly. It was like the Covington RDA fight, which we kind of got pissed about, where it was like, Colby Covington was winning, but it suddenly became that there was, like, RDA wasn't even in the picture. And sometimes when you tell, like, you, you control the narrative when you're the commentator. And when the narrative is askew, I think it's okay for people to be mad about that. Right. Um, oh God. I'm, I'm trying to think, because there are, I'm trying to think, like, there have been fights where, like, I'll go back and you hear, you, you see the dissonance between what's going on in the ring or in the cage and you see, you, and what, Rogan's actually saying on commentary, and then you look at people who talk about the fight in like the like in today, and it won't be what actually ha- what's actually happening in the fight. It'll be like stuff they heard Rogan say, right? And so, like like uh, what was it? Like com- comparatively, like the Khabib got rocked by Michael Johnson narrative, right? Because everybody thinks he got rocked by him, but he like he got hit once and was already defending like he if there was no serious hit there so i don't um, i'm like exhausted now from that tired <laughs> We're oh, because i'm bad. trying to i'm trying to be so because it's such a hard job commentaries call on yeah. a fight live and you probably got somebody in your ear at the same time and you've got two other people who you have to be respectful to because you're working with them it's a lot i get it but those really yeah. upset me i guess I guess for me, like, I don't, I don't mind you having biases. Like, you, he's really close to the sport. Obviously, you know these people. You're probably friends with some of them. Like, that's cool. Well, we all have our biases, but you can't just be so... I can't know you have your bias. Or even if I do know that you have it, you got to at least acknowledge the other guy. Like, don't be so blatant. You know? This felt like Dominic Cruz went to Joe Rogan sometime earlier in the week and was just like, watch out for my boy Matt Sale, uh... <laughs> like he, he he's a really smart, really young dude, and Joe Rogan just kind of like latched onto that as he right. went through his like fighter interviews and like you know while he was doing his like, research for uh, to do commentary, he just kind of latched onto any little thing. Yeah, which is which is you know like I just I don't know what to say necessarily in terms of just if that is the case or if that isn't the case, but it sounds like. And, and it put DC and Anik in an awkward situation, too, because they have to talk about the fight at the same time you're talking about the fight and kind of swim with you. And Cormier is trying to be as fair as he can while also being analytical and not burying Rogan. And it just created, like, this awkward dynamic to me. Like, you could tell that there was 
a dynamic shift in the commentary. Right. You know what, real quick, before we go on to the next fight, now that you mentioned Anik's name, I realize Anik normally just annoys me a lot. He hasn't annoyed me in a very long I think time. He's, I think he's fine. I think he's good. Yeah, like, he, he normally just... I don't know. There's something about him that just like, <laughs> I'm just like, why are you here? Doubles him. <laughs> but he doesn't bother me anymore, and I don't know if I don't know what it is. Like he just, I don't know if he's gotten better or maybe I just stopped being unfair. <laughs> there's just something about the play-by-play guy who, like the straight guy, he's just always going to come off as corny. Right. Like, I don't know. It doesn't bother me anymore. So. I don't know. Shout out to Maybe it's just, just because Joe Rogan and like uh, DC are just like such big personalities, and Anik's kind of just. It might, yeah, maybe it is. Like he kind of gets, like he he still talks, but like they're kind of the bulk of, you know, right. the the commentary. So like when he does come in, it's just like, all right, he, he's you know he's he's not talking too much, so it doesn't. I don't remember John Anik speaking. Sorry, so. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what? You like know normally, what? holy shit! Now that you mention it, I don't think I do either. So. Yeah, like I don't know. Go, 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 John Anik. Good job. Whatever you're doing. I like to check. <laughs> right. Here you go. Get, get to check. No, I like, um, I, and I apologize for that big. Uh, I don't even call it a tirade. It's just it's a critique about the UFC product that has kind of gotten worse to me. Yeah. No, I'm glad you drugged that out because I honestly don't want to talk about this next fight. <laughs> what was the next one? Oh, whoops. Oh, God. Oops. This is the only fight I chose not to rewatch. <laughs> I, I didn't want to live through this again. Oops. This was not This was not fun. You want, you want me to um, cue this one up? Yeah, yeah, you, you, you can take it. All right, so... Um... We had a flyaway affair on the pre uh, the fight pass prelims as the 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 uh, I guess headliner, um, and we had Alex Perez fighting uh, friend of the pod, Jose Shorty Torres, um, and what in about like three minutes and thirty seconds, Alex Perez laid a pretty one sided beatdown down on Shorty and uh, knocked him out. Like, was he co- was he out cold? I think he was getting pummeled against the fence, and then as soon as he went down, yeah. they called it. Yeah. Yeah, they just All called right. it. Yeah. It was a terrible accumulation of punches. Yeah, no. Not a good night. Yeah. Um, Shout-outs to um, another podcast I follow, a Fight Stance podcast. I was listening to them earlier. Um, one of the metrics they read off, <laughs> apparently... Inside of this very short span, Alex Perez landed like 104 <laughs> significant strikes. That like, sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, like he unloaded on 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 uh, Torres, man. It was it was hard to watch. And Torres, man, I love him to death. I think kind of like. In, in somewhat similar vein to Garbrandt, like the things that make him entertaining are kind of also his downfall. Like he <laughs> he is always willing to take a hit to give one, but in this fight, it just it, it, that did not work because um, he ate a lot of of shots. Um, yeah, man, it was it was bad. Um, but P- Perez was phenomenal though. Like he he really. 
you can't draw up a better beat down than that, man. Like, he poured it on, like, Torres, just, he couldn't breathe. Like, there was no, there was no chance to breathe, man. He just, yeah, it was, it was rough. Dude, I, I've never rough. seen Alex Perez stitch punches together like that before. Like, <laughs> Perez looked like a top ten, like, <laughs> he, he looked like a title contender out there. Like, he looked like he was fighting for his life. Like, they promised him a special reward or something if he won, and he just went out there and just, he, he laid it on him. But, I mean, good for him. I mean, anybody who's been following Torres knows he's, he's had hype around him. So, I don't know, maybe Perez saw that shine and figured, I want, you know, I want that. And he, you know, he went out there and did his thing. Um, yeah, that was, that was, oof. It is, I suppose, worth mentioning that Alex Perez was a lightweight in there. So I suppose if you're holding on to something to kind of hang your hat on for Jose Torres, it was the fact that Perez rehydrated to, like, 146. Yeah. So he was basically a lightweight. Well, like, uh, Torres was, what, 142 or something? 143. <laughs> just, just, uh... Not about. Let us have our small. Not about. (laughs) That's still two weight class. That's still a weight class apart. Fair fair enough. But that's still that's still one guy, one guy weighing one thing and another guy weighing, uh, different about. I think, uh, one of Torres' downfalls. I mean, aside from eating, that that many strikes in a row, um, I I I think it is. You know, I have to be be honest. You know. It's kind of kind of the same thing we saw with him in Titan in some fights to where like he he's an exciting fighter but he's just willing to take too much to give <laughs> um, and I think there's a difference in in competition level to where like in Titan and you know in his earlier fights he was kind of able to get away with that because I mean he, he was fighting the fighters were talented but they weren't you know we stated before there's a difference between that level and even like the bottom tier of the UFC like it's just it's just a different ball game a lot of those things you can't really get away with anymore um and also in this fight he even when he threw he doesn't throw in like combinations much um I think in some of his earlier fights he could get away with it because he is a really hard puncher like he, we've seen him put dudes out but you know it's, it's kind of a different ball game now the, the competition is, is up so you kind of have to adjust accordingly, and ugh. but um, so, I want to just throw this out there: like, be, besides being a slow starter and being hella stiff, like, <laughs> like that's what it is. Like, he stands straight up, and like, he's in the position where he can't really slip punches. He's always walking forward, so he's always on his lead foot, and his head's just kind of there to be hit. But like, he's not the fastest dude for flyweight. Yeah, and another guy with a rather, rather big head for a small. <laughs> so, and that I'm just saying, like, when you're Brian Stan, you can't really move out of the way of shots. And <laughs> Torres kind of has a similar shape. I'm a guy with a big head, like I know it's. If you have a bigger head, it's hard to move it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I, I think though, like those flaws in his game, you know, 
I, I would hope through who's ever coaching him, like those can be corrected. Because I, I still think he has a pretty high upside, but like if, if you're gonna advance, not even in, in flyweight, you know, because he, he, that's what at 135. If you're gonna advance, regardless, any, anywhere you, you fight in, in the UFC, you're gonna have to you have to plug those holes. You you can't have you can't have those kind of fights. Because I mean, you might win some, but you also might end up like this. You don't you don't want this to happen again. Yeah, the, this is the one downside to having only 35 fighters in your division, where like if, if a Just World Tours loses this fight, goes back down the ladder. But not that he's all that high up on the ladder anyway, but like he goes down the ladder and he fights, he gets a rebound fight against somebody who's at the bottom of the division. But like Eric Shelton's like, wait, what? One in three in the UFC? Yeah. And he's a talented guy. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. Like you go down and like it's, I don't know, like um, Mark De La Rosa, who just got a big win over Elias Garcia. Yeah, Robert, Robert, uh, Roberto Sanchez, or like these dudes are really good athletes, if nothing else. Yep. So, so it's like it, it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't get any easier. Right, which is why I guess I, I just, I kind of never really liked 125 as like the permanent home for him. Uh, not that 135 is any, is any worse, or I mean any less thick, but. There's a little bit more give. You can probably find the best 125ers are going to be in the UFC, whereas you can probably find a few 135ers who, you know, you can find a Yoatsin Meza or a Chico Camus who's going to test you but not beat you. Exactly. So, it's a, it's a different, absolutely a different world. What a, like, there's no Wuliji Burren at the bottom of like flyweight. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm sorry, Barat Kandere. Kandare. Kandare. <laughs> we have Indian listeners who were very, very powerful. They weren't on the list this week. Oh, okay, understood. <laughs> Maybe because we didn't talk about Barack Kandare. <laughs> but no. No, we'll get that one. We'll get that one Indian view. It'll, it'll be there. Imagine it's Barack. <laughs> oh man. Up, but, it's um... not gonna be. It's not gonna be a fun night for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Shout outs to Perez though. It was it was a really yeah. go up to one thirty super one sided. Don't make don't make don't do that yeah. cut. That's not a good cut for you. You missed weight once. Maybe rehydrated pretty big. Yeah. But uh yeah, ho- hopefully Torres can can fix those holes in his game. Um so yeah. definitely looking forward to seeing him back to see if you know if he improves <laughs> and such. I'm not off that bandwagon. Uh, I don't think anybody should be off that bandwagon. No, He's no. Still no, hell no. young. Yeah, still young, still got time to 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 get it together. But Perez, um, you know, hats off. You know, the the whole fight was just one long Tekken combo. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can't even hate. <laughs> you you did what you were supposed to do. Um, all right, this next fight, uh, Zhang is it Wei Li? Yeah, Wei Li Zhang. Uh, and Danielle Taylor. Um, I wasn't really aware of Zhang. I just know she came over from Kunlun. Um, I saw some highlights of her on on, on Twitter uh, from a few people. Um, but I'm glad she came over. Uh, I did like what I saw. Um, but that Daniel Taylor just really confuses me sometimes. Um, obviously, for someone so small, she can crack. Like she let, she caught Wei Li with a 
I don't remember if it's a right. I don't even remember what round it happened in. But she she tagged her a couple of good times. But it's just like her volume is so not really there. And then for someone who's so small, I don't know. I, I would think that she would like try to get on the inside more, especially as somebody who, like, if she catches you flush, she's gonna hurt you. But like, she plays the outside and doesn't really do much out there. And I don't know. I don't know. It's something about her game that just seems like that there's something missing there. Like I, I, I don't know. But uh, Zhang Wei Li definitely did her thing. Put on a pretty nice, you know. <laughs> kickboxing uh clinic a little bit of taunting here and there uh ha having fun out there but i don't know if it's just me wait lee looks really like sturdy <laughs> for like a straw weight well maybe that was because taylor's just so small no, no, she is but, but she's a yeah she's straw weight yeah she seems she she's built <laughs> for tough like she's just extra sturdy um but yeah, I, I like her game though. Like this really, really strong, really good kickboxer. Um, Looks like she's she's having fun out there when she fights. Um, definitely uh, interested to see like how far she can go. I think she'll have some fun matchups if if anything else. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It was, it was just I don't know. <laughs> Taylor just is just weird to watch sometimes. I don't I don't know, but. I really like what I saw from Zhang, though. She's somebody who, you know, somebody I want to go back and now just watch her older fights to see what else um, she has in her game. And definitely looking forward to her next fight. Because, like I said, she is a very sturdy <laughs> straw weight who, who definitely has some, some pretty good pretty good kickboxing that, that she can build on. Um, so, but yeah, real that, quick. Um, so... I've, ne I've never seen video of the fight. I've never, like, uh, I can't find anybody confirm it. But uh, not too long after she debuted, uh, like, pro-wise in Kunlun, uh, <clears throat> she, did, she did an interview where she talked about how she fought Yoana Yanjacek in, like, an amateur kickboxing match and, like, knocked her out. Like, I, I don't know if that's true. I don't know what the deal is with that. But like it, it kind of tells me she comes from like a well, she actually she does she comes from a real like legit kickboxing background, uh, which we saw a little bit here. Um, like she she has one of the meanest switch kicks in in the division, uh, which she used repeatedly against Taylor. Um, I really like this fight um, for her debut because because it's kind of actually been the theme of like what we've been talking about so far like. Um, with all these young fighters coming into the UFC and like kind of falling flat in their face. The, 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 before technique, before like skill level and all that other stuff, the number one difference between like the bottom of the top of the regional scene, even in China, and the, the, um, where you have like a whole country of fighters who probably are really never actually left, so they're like all their best athletes are still fighting on the regional scene. Like, the bottom of the UFC, like those, those are those guys and girls are athletes. Maybe not a women's bantamweight or like women's featherweight, but like a straw a straw weight. Like this is a division with depth. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, 
<laughs> so you, you, when you get thrown in there with someone like Taylor, who is a ridiculously good athlete, she's really quick and she can crack, and she's really strong. Like it, I think that's a very good uh, mark uh, test for where you're at. So I, I really like this matchup from that standpoint. Um, she did get cracked a few times, and I think it ends up costing her around on all three scorecards, which I thought was weird. But um, I, I think she's China's best chance for a title right now. I think she's that good. <clears throat> I, I mean, I like the fight. I really don't have anything super technical to add to that. It sure seems like these Chinese fighters that they're bringing in are really, really sturdy in terms of like the way they're put together. You look at a guy like uh, Li Jingliang. Uh, I can't remember the name. Zhao Zhaonan, the other strawweight they signed. Oh, right, and right, right. And they're all really well put together, so to speak. And I think that that's the difference. Like right out the gate, that's the difference between them and some of the other fighters that they sign from other countries who are probably not as like you look at somebody like Marlon Vera so to speak and you look at those guys and Diego Rivas and from some of the South American fighters who were they just don't look like they've ever seen a weight room before and I think that that that's absolutely going to help her going forward because she's obviously a good striker so you'd have to assume she's going to have to deal with the Esparza types who are going to want to take her down and it looks like she's got a sturdy frame for takedown defense um, I thought it was a good debut. I, I'm, I'm, I'm enthused by what the UFC is doing in China, who they're getting. Uh, there's no Royston Wee, you know what I mean? Like, there's no guy signed just because he's from there. No gal signed right. just because she's from that region. They're getting some good talent, and um, I'm excited. You know, I, I, like, I like the fight in general. I thought Taylor did some good things as well. She had her, her typical kind of, like, do good enough just to do good in a loss. You know what I mean? So, I don't know what her future is in this division. I think she's going to be one of those people who just, she'll always exist because they need bodies there. And uh, for Wiley Zhang, I'm, I, slow build. Don't, don't rush. Slow build with her as well. Right. Um, it, it, like, just to put uh, like a little bit of note on that, um, like, China was a place where you could make like $10,000 a fight and fight like 10 times a year. Like, right. There, there was like, there's actual money in that scene, and as a result, like the Chinese fighters are closer to like, I guess you could say like Russia, than they are to like, um, Mexico. Right. I, I know what you're saying like the best in Latin America normally have to go to Brazil. To like get, you get to, to get, to get top notch. Yeah, to get fights and top notch training. Right. Like. This this is all just stuff from like I've heard I've not seen like any like rec- like you know a- a- any um, a- anything to back this but like uh, like but you see it in stuff like Come to Fight where like they get a government deal to host a kickboxing card every other Sunday of the year and they get it and they have a TV audience of like a hundred million people. Like, there is money going into the combat sports uh, scene there. It's um, either direct or indirect, it's bleeding over into MMA as well. So. I, that, okay. That, I got what you mean now, because I think you said that 
Saturday. So now I understand what you're saying. Right. So, like, it, it makes sense. Like, all these fighters actually look like professional athletes. As opposed to just, like, somebody who got into MMA and just happened to be really good. And the UFC showed up in their, uh... Uh, showed up in their country and needed somebody. I wonder if they'll. I wonder if they'll. Because I don't think she. I mean, she got cracked a few times. She didn't take any major damage. I wonder if they'll throw her on that Beijing. Oh, they're going to. That's November. Yeah. yeah. Give her like a Jamie Moyle type. Jody Escabel type, I guess. Somebody who she's just naturally going to be better than from a physical standpoint. Um. Yeah, and like Anna Cole said, this division, like, comparatively, I, I hate to call anybody out. But Betch Cohea was just an accountant who wanted to, like, stay in shape. Yeah. Compared to, you know, some of these 115ers who are n- just natural athletes. So yeah. I totally get what he was saying there. And it's, you know, good yeah. test. I'm excited to see how China develops. Yeah, so we got to keep out for that the Beijing card in November. There should be ho- hopefully another Song Yedong. <laughs> uh, you know, there, there should be a lot going on. In yeah, that cause, and you know what? Like, they're not all going to be home runs. But hit enough singles, and you develop a bit of a following. You develop a bit of a groundswell. Right. So there's there's definitely something there. But yeah, uh, definitely congrats to to Zhang. That was a really really good performance. Uh, and this last fight uh, to complete the card, uh, Marlon Vera and Wulaji Barin. Um, honestly, don't remember this fight in much detail except for that last body shot. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that bear that uh, Vera just killed him with. Um, I love body shots. I wish. Well, I feel like they've been showing up more. Yeah. But, like every fighter should have. This needs to be in your repertoire, man. Like body, they're just so vicious. If you can just put it in the right place, just yeah. It it that was a nasty, uh, really nasty body shot that just kind of floored Beeren, and it was it was a wrap. There was no coming back from that. There are fewer... There's, there's I, fewer um, like, I, I can't think of a strike that's probably safer than a properly thrown body shot. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of waiting for everybody to catch on. Yeah, they, they, they need to. Especially when you've got somebody... Especially when you have them, like, up against the cage. If you're going for that last, like, you got them rocked, and you, you, you're doing that last flurry against the cage, don't just go to the head, man. Give them one or two body shots. You're going to drop them. You're, you're, you're going to floor them because those, they just, perfect placement, and then dudes just, they go out. And a lot of times, there's, there's no coming back from that. Um, but, yeah, great, awesome finish from Vera. Um, and also, I think we said also before we started recording, like, he, he's just one of those guys because of his story that you, you just root for him every time he goes out there. Um, but he performs also. Like, he, he goes out there and he, he does his thing. So, um, congrats to him. And that, that was a, a vicious, <laughs> vicious finish uh, from, from Vera. Yep. Yeah. The only, the only other thing I can comment on is that uh, Waluigi Burren, a uh, little too close to Waluigi for my sister's uh, taste. <laughs> so she just kept asking me, is his name really Waluigi? And I had to consistently correct her. His, na- his name is the Beastmaster. <laughs> and then oh, it was man. like, I had to think of who MMA's Wario would be. And I'm not sure I have a... Warly? 
No, like a like I'm trying to think of like a squat fat. Oh, like yeah, an like actual, actual, <laughs> oh, like actual person. And I, oh, uh, uh, who, oh, uh, god, um, it's a Brazilian dude. Um, God, I do not remember his name, and I don't know what card he was on, so this is useless. <laughs> there was a very round but sturdily Wario built Brazilian Alvarez? gentleman. No, no, no. There was a Wario in the UFC. Was there really? I think so. Either that, I'm, I'm think, and I think I'm thinking of Wario Alvarez. Alvarez. There was a really. There was a built. I want to say he was like a welterweight, but dude looked like a middleweight. God, I cannot remember. It's gonna bug me now, and I can't look him up because I don't even remember what card he was on or who he fought. When I remember, I'll let you know who Wario is. <laughs> I, my first thought was, uh, what's the name of that dude who, uh, like Sean, not Sean Jordan, he fought Sean Jordan. He fights in the PFL. He's Josh Copeland. Oh, <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> I, I could definitely. But Marlon, yeah. Oh, this got this got Vera back in the win column. I didn't know. I forgot. Yeah, he dropped two in a row. Good so. for Marlon Vera. Yeah, just got him back in the in the win column. So, uh, congrats to Marlon Vera. Um, and that rounds out the entire card. Uh, pretty much from top to bottom. Yeah, this this card was pretty awesome, man. Like we, great main event and co-main event. Um, got to see some new fighters, show their faces. Um, we got a chance to just see some one-sided beatdowns. <laughs> go one way or another. Uh, fighters trash talk while they evade incoming bombs. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, was, it was a lot going on. This, this card was pretty entertaining. Um, and actually, like I was, I was tired watching this card, but like that Cejudo fight was so good that it just like re-energized me. And then I forgot that like, oh, we still got one more to go, and this might even be better. And then the main event happened, and that was awesome. So. Um, yeah, I would say UFC 227 all in all. I, I was pretty pretty happy with what I got, man. It's definitely a card to go back and watch if you didn't get a chance to catch it. Um, so, yeah, that was UFC 227. Um, did we have questions? We did. Uh, let me pull up the post. I saw one on Facebook. Um, can you bring up the tumble? I'll do the... Facebook. All right, we got questions from the homie Monta23. Uh, question, y'all ready for Marais to get the, this WSOF takeover started when he kicks slash knees TJ's head into the fifth row? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, I can't call it a full WSOF takeover because he might be the only one. But I'm rooting for Dave Branch, too. He might. He might so you're telling me Blue Boy, even though this is going to make a career turnaround? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, to man. me, that's the only fight but... that makes sense, by the way. Not what? just, like, Mariah's TJ, like, thinking about it. It's basically the only fight that I think anybody would really... Unless you really, really, really want to see Dillashaw beat Dominic Cruz. Because Cruz hasn't fought since December of 2016. And so would be like a two-year layoff, give or take, because you would assume it would happen December-ish. And we know that TJ Dillashaw is uh, unreal in rematches, so that's the only fight that makes sense to me. Right. Unless you just want to see Cruz get slapped, slapped around. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm all about the Marais Um, And 
not and it's partially biased because I've just been a fan of his for so long, and I've always told people like this dude can be champ. He just needs to make it to the UFC and show right. it. But I think TJ's fought a lot of good competition. Obviously, the dude is crazy talented. Um, like you said, he'll he'll definitely go down as one of the best bantamweights to ever walk this planet. Um, I think Mariah's still the challenge he brings. I don't think TJ has fought somebody who's like... If you've watched Marais, man, this dude can end fights in like the blink of an eye. And he, he's a really strong bantamweight. The dude is... His striking prowess is, is just... It's really, 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 really high level. Um, I, I think he can give TJ some problems. And I think if he clips TJ, he'll... He'll be smart enough not to go in reckless and get caught with the right hand three times in a row. Um, <laughs> I think I can trust him to do that. Um, but yeah, I, I think Marais is going to... I think he's taking the belt. I, I definitely think he's taking the belt. Hmm. Um, and actually, I'll, I'll tie that into the Facebook question because it's, it's somewhat in a similar vein. Uh, so shout outs to my homie Shotty7, who actually, if you listen to my Sounds Like Fun podcast, he's the intro. Uh, to that podcast, so thanks for letting me use your song, appreciate it, um, but uh, his wasn't really uh, a question, I guess we kind of covered this already, but um, the gist of his question is, I guess, in terms of weight uh, and featherweight, um, I guess just like, what are the next steps and who who gets next at the title shot, so I guess we pretty much covered Bantamweight, uh, I think we all agree it's probably going to be Marais, if not Marais, it'd be a Sun Sal, but I don't think any of us think that fight will happen. Everybody's just holding um, the title for Peter Young, man. Right. <laughs> he's coming. Uh, <laughs> Does he have another uh, fight? Yes, he's going to yeah. fight. Um, was, it, was he fight Alcantara? Or am I thinking somebody else? Douglas Andrade. Ah, there we go. Somebody Who's a really good bantamweight in his own right. Oh, really solid. And uh, so yeah, that that's pretty much bantamweight. It's, it's got to be either Marais or a Sunset. Uh Featherweight. Um, I mean, it's still Max Holloway or Ortega. Yeah. Assuming that Holloway and Holloway says he's getting better, so we have to believe. Him. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's either Holloway or Ortega. If 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 for some reason Holloway can't get ready in some you know in a decent amount of time, maybe. Holloway Aldo, I'm not Holloway Aldo. Maybe um Ortega, Ortega Aldo, uh, maybe even somehow get Moicano in the mix. I, I think he's he's earned that that shot. Like I said, he might not have the notoriety, but in terms of skill level, he's I think he's right up there with everybody else. So I, I wouldn't be mad if he somehow found himself in like a contender fight. But um, yeah, the three names for 45, I would say is obviously Ortega, Moicano, and uh and and Aldo. So I think those are the next uh, best bets for 45. Agreed. So that was the Facebook question. Uh, any more Tumblr? Uh, yes. Monster23 also wanted to ask about um, our thoughts on Kovalev getting roasted. I actually did not get a chance to watch that fight, so I can't really comment. My thoughts? I always liked Kovalev as an in-ring competitor, but like some of the shit he said outside the ring. Fuck him. <laughs> so, 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 hey, I, I, I'm just keeping it real. So, but so to see him lose, 
to a Colombian getting knocked down three times in the span of like two minutes was amazing. And I'm with it. Nice. <laughs> shout, uh, matter of fact, I'm going to get one of my shout outs out the way real quick. Shouts to Eladar Alvarez. Freaking, you made my weekend. There you go. <laughs> Um, also, real quick, since uh, this, this uh, we have Tito Chuck three hanging on the horizon somewhere, uh, how badly did Kovalev fuck himself? With, with oh, that, okay. yeah, with with that with that contract. I forgot what was his his contract. I remember we talked about it before, but I don't remember. So for the second Andre Ward fight, after the first fight did something like 120 to 155 thousand pay per view buys, Kovalev was like, "I'm not going to take a purse. I'm going to take a cut of the pay per view revenue." Oh. Yeah. So so Tito Ortiz is basing his model off of that. Um, like. If you're a fighter and you're like looking around and like you see that Kathy Duva accepted that for you, or maybe I, I don't know if she was the one who was like, "That's what we're gonna do," or if it was Kovalev and he thought the second fight would like would um, would do numbers because the first fight actually turned out to be okay. But like, how do you sign with them? <clears throat> like. That's the, that's like a career ender. I'm I don't disagree. Well, after getting knocked out, I think he has time to sit and uh. And wait, <laughs> who is Andre Ward represented by? Rock Nation. I cannot like it's hard for me to believe that Kathy Duva could have been outsmarted by. You know, <laughs> I think. You know what I, I think it was? I honestly <laughs> God think that she thought Kovalev won the first fight and was going to win the second one easy. But that still doesn't necessarily, like, that still doesn't, why? Why would you still put that contract together? Because Kathy Duva is like, a, she's a professional pro's pro at this. She's been in it for a zillion years. I, I just don't understand. I, that still boggles my mind that she was like, yeah, it's all right. I, I, I could not tell you, man. Like Tito, Tito uh, whatever, Tito Ortiz, we, we goof. Everybody goofs on Tito for, for a million different things. Whereas Kathy Duva is genuinely, genuinely considered a pretty... Savvy businesswoman. So it's very weird. I don't know. Uh, maybe there's some back room. I mean, something. If, if we're, we we're going to be real about it, Rock, Na Rock Sports, Rock Sports Nation, whatever, definitely lost money on the fight because they paid Andre Ward like ten million dollars for a fight nobody bought and no one paid to see. <laughs> Dude, the best part is that like it was based upon pay-per-view revenue, I believe if I remember correctly, like basically what you had said. And then Andre Ward decided he just wasn't gonna promote the fight. So it's like it's like a double whammy. You have Kolov out here who can't speak in English without saying something at least slightly racist. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have Andre Ward who refused to talk to anybody. Yeah, he's just like I'm not just gonna I'm not gonna do the I think it was like the they they wanted to do like a, a big presser. Presser, yeah, like a big yeah, he, he, he demanded like, 
that they have in his contracts. Jesus. <laughs> oh, that's, that's an awkward phone call to have after that loss. He's like, yeah, you know. Yeah, that that fight, those fights ruined Kovalev's career. Like, I, I don't see him bouncing back without people just in there being afraid of him. Like, like I, I think he's there to be eaten. Like, people have seen him break. I just, I, I, I'm, I'm taken out, taken out of the whole conversation. I'm thinking about that deal. <laughs> Oh God! Uh, you also have one more. You have one more question for us, and I know you're gonna like this one. Um, how excited are you for the fuckery-filled buildup of Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder? Here <laughs> for this. Oh man! Here for this. This is gonna be a. And see, I, I I'm, I'm not super into boxing the last time i watched tyson tree was whatever that last fight he had the greatest fight of the year my my two thoughts were he's built like dr eggman (laughs) my second thought was his fight is going so bad that he's watching the fight in the crowd and not watching it (laughs) but um man that man is the video heavyweight champion in the world If if anything though, this you know, if if you're looking for entertainment, um, you I'm, know, for better or I'm worse, I'm here for the fuckery, man. Yeah, I don't think it gets much better. Um, I'm all about, uh, at least to some extent. I don't know if you want to call it a train wreck, but it, it'll be it'll be a show, and I'm 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 here for it too. Oh, it's gonna be a train wreck. Uh, the least entertaining part of the the whole thing will be that with, with the fight itself. <laughs> Could you fucking imagine if if Fury wins that fight? <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine if it's like a clinch fest and he takes like an eight four seven five type decision? Oh my god! What's oh, he gonna sing boy. this time? Yeah, see home, Alabama. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm actually really like I, I'm so excited for the shit talk, but I'm actually really worried because Tyson Fury, nor Fury nor Wilder have the ability to not say something that's a little uncomfortable. So, oh, we're, we're gonna get some sound. We're, we're bound to get. Go ahead. Little. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> we're bound to get at least at least <laughs> one. I don't know, man. Uh, I'm trying to think of what the worst thing Tyson Fury's ever said. Having a hard time. The anti-Semitic stuff or the homophobic? The homophobic stuff was the first one that came to mind. Uh, but I don't think Wilder's ever said anything like that. I don't believe. Uh, he just wants to kill people. Apparently, literally kill them. Yeah. <laughs> like what? What costume superhero do you think Tyson Fury dresses up for for this one? Man, he dressed up, up as Batman. And beat up a ram. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, did you see the oh, presser man. for the fight that he had where he literally just made fun of how out of shape he was? <laughs> <laughs> you see, this is, this is that traveler self-esteem. Oh, my God. Oh, man. I, I hope uh. Tyson Fury's entire shit talk is stuff he's Googled about Alabama. <laughs> no, <laughs> no context whatsoever. Uh. I oh, did get man. one. Did you get the question about uh, Cejudo? 
Yes, I did. Uh, okay, so good. So the homie, uh, real employees uh, from Tumblr asked, if Cejudo starts fighting right after his gold medal win, like he said he was going to, do we ever, uh, do we even ever get the DJ title run? Uh, my answer is yes. Yes, we do. Real in place, by the way, is a great writer. Good great job. writer. Awesome if you love, like, old school MMA. Renaissance, man. And, Sorry, what was the first part of the question? You said if he fights after what? Uh, if Henry Cejudo starts fighting right after his gold medal win, like he said he was going to do. Oh, and doesn't take, like, yeah, a break. Like, is he, uh, is there even ever a DJ title run? No, yeah, no. The title run. Yeah. As much as I hate on DJ, I think that was, uh... <laughs> That was written in the stars, so to speak. I don't think anybody's going to stop it. So Hudo would have found a way to kind of fuck himself. Yeah. He might not have made I'm way. not sure Henry Cejudo exists if, uh, if Mighty Mouse is here, to be honest. Like, if he doesn't have that task in mind. Like, oh. if he doesn't oh. have... Okay. I thought you were getting deep there for a second. I'm like, he prevented his birth somehow, or? Like <laughs> <laughs> we said, a large part of Cejudo coming, uh, just a large part of his early career was just coaching. I can't imagine what that would have been like in like 2009. And he, started... <laughs> he might have gotten he might have gotten stomped out really early. And well, like... no, like he he would have been like in that WC WEC era fighting like. Manny Banuelos. Manny Banuelos. Ah, uh, oh, those were good times. Brian Bolt. <laughs> uh, I, re- <laughs> I look so look, I look back so fondly on those times. Dude, WC, my favorite promotion. Yeah. It, uh, look, so Hudo had been on the first tough with the Bantamweights, though. Because he would have been like, wow, we could have gotten Cejudo Dillashaw, Cejudo Dodson. Yeah. Mm. Like, Kind of take it for granted, but for like a, a, a bantam weight or five weight, like so, Udo started hella late. Most of these yeah. dudes are probably scrapping at 19 years old. Yeah, yeah, that, that would have been like an interesting, like the Flash alternate reality. Um, See, like if, if it was like Yoel Romero, you gonna do that now? <laughs> I feel so bad for the because I can hear it whining like it's got to go out or something. It, it, she doesn't have to go. She just sees me over here and she wants to come on the side of the gate. We got to talk about Luigi Bowen instead. Yeah, now that this is important. <laughs> What's but, her opinion on IHOP versus IHOP? Uh, she hates both. I because she's not on inside. <laughs> But like uh, Yoel Romero, I believe with uh, if Yoel Romero had started early, there would probably not have been like a well, you know he'll probably would have been a two hundred five er to be honest if he had started like ten years early. Um, but it, it, for let's just say he fought a middleweight, I don't think there's an Anderson Silva in the same way there was during that run. Man, could you imagine Yoel Romero starts earlier and he fights like the. The Chuck Liddell that fought Rashad Evans. Oh my God! Oh my God! Rich Franklin. <laughs> Dude, he like they would not have Liddell would not be cleared to fight right now. Well, I'm about to say he wouldn't be alive oh to take the Jesus. title fight. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> you know, 
He would have killed oh everybody. Oh my god, Yoel Romero versus Forrest Griffin. Jesus Christ. He would have had a field Dude, day. Like, Yoel Romero versus that middleweight division before like everybody got like big and big and athletic. He probably <laughs> he might have ended up in goat status because I don't think n- nobody back then would have known what to do with a guy like that. Romero versus Court McGee. Stop. Please call me I'm just yeah. thinking, like, Chris Camozzi and, like, some of these slow, clunky, like, moving in lava type dudes. His highlight reel would be so... <laughs> it like, would be NSFW. <laughs> right? Like, imagine him versus Alessio Sakara. Oh, no, that's not... Oh, man. Oh, man, if you would have plugged him in that Mark Munoz fight with, with Josh Rosenthal still oh, referee. No. no, man. <laughs> Just, Mark Munoz is a nice guy. I wouldn't wish that on him. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. I wouldn't either. I'm just trying to think of some of the, like, Yushin Okami-level guys who are just, like, big. Like, all they've got is that they're big and that they can that, grapple. That was, like, the middleweight division for, like, a solid five years. Right. <laughs> I just... Noel Romero versus Chael Sonnen. Chael would have gotten at least a minute. He would have found a way to win a minute of that fight. Like, all I can think of, like, Chael just ducking into a flying knee. He would have, <laughs> trying to think of, like, he would have, like, he would have never lost. He would have fought Anderson. No. Anderson would have had a great chance. But you think, like, oof. and this was, I don't want to disparage him, but this was the TRT era, so could you imagine a TRT'd up Joel <laughs> Romero? <laughs> Superhuman. It's like Super Shredder at the end of the Ninja Turtles movie. He lands one ground and pound, and it's like when you drop a watermelon <laughs> on accident. <laughs> it just explodes. <laughs> oh my god. Oh man. That, that would they would have had to have a fight everybody uh, in one night. Oh my god. Keith Jardine versus Yoel Romero. Um, oh. Like, I mean, we're this going, sounds like punishment. It's like release the Romero. <laughs> oh, I man. mean, it's it, 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 it just because uh, just to get back to it, like, I don't see that with Cejudo. You know what I mean? Like, I see the athletic gap, but I don't see like Yo Romero is just a man prone to violence. <laughs> I think Sohudo I think Sohudo's story would have kind of been similar as it is now. It's like we would have looked at him and been like, This guy's gonna be champ one day. Yeah. But he's not he's not there. Sohudo probably needed to lose at some point in order to He would have lost before he got to Mighty Mouse. He would have found a way, like I think he's just yeah. one of those guys who needs adversity. Yeah, like he would have ran into like a Benavides. He would have ran into one of those guys who like he would have put up a good effort but he would have fell short. But you look exactly. at the guys, right? But you look at the guys like Brad Pickett and you know Scott Jorgensen, and he probably would have ran through most of those guys comfortably. No, he wouldn't have run through them comfortably at all. He would have he would have twenty nine, twenty eight at them with like no effort, because he would have been mm-hmm. so much just na- a natural talent. Man, it's hard to go back to Cejudo after thinking of Romero, Mortal Kombat, <laughs> Mortal Kombat <laughs> level violence. Right. <laughs> Oh, Jesus man. Christ. Rich Franklin would have never taught another class. <laughs> There'd be no one championship. He would have never made it over there. Oh, God. 
Uh, is that all the questions? That's everything. That's everything that I I only got one. Uh, so unless you want to unless you want to address Stogues. Uh, you, he wants he wants to know what was his question again? He didn't have a he had more of a complaint or quite or a comment. <laughs> <laughs> Something about T.J. Dillashaw. I can't find it now, but it was not it was not it was not flattering. Uh, why is TJ a bitch? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have the answer for this, so... <laughs> oh, I don't know if he was raised that way. <laughs> First off, we don't know anything about Mom and Pop Dillashaw, alright? Oh, man. I don't know. So we might have some insider info. He's not here. He's he, training. He's... <laughs> Has he ever told us like the real reason? I feel like we have this conversation. <laughs> he, he did tell us like he had stories. He, right. I don't think he ever told us like what stories he had. But we'll have to do this in like we'll, we'll do like a DTP secret vault episode. We'll, we'll throw that on there. <laughs> he's training. He's training for the for the garden bar. Uh, not garden. Where, where was the, the barbecue? <laughs> for his barbecue fight main event. Stokes is like oh, Stokes is like that guy who hated Dominic Cruz. So he told me he was going to go to the gym and get in shape so he could play Dominic Cruz and beat his ass. <laughs> Did he ever? Uh, I doubt it. <laughs> I thought this was oh, going to lead man. to something like, and that's how Cody Garbrandt became. <laughs> I'm like 30 for 30. Oh man, but I appreciate the the questions uh, from you guys. Special shout out to the the Tumblr fan base. You guys always like and repost, so definitely appreciate that. So um, and anytime you have a question, you can just send it to Dojo Talk Podcast at Yahoo dot com, um, and we will answer them on the show. But uh, that's about all we got. So <clears throat> I guess we can get into parting shots and shout outs. Um, as always, I always re- like have a shot in my head, and then I get old and forget who I was angry at. So, I don't have a shot. Um, but I will give uh, my shout out. I will go to LeBron James. If you haven't heard by now, uh, he built a school um, out in Akron, Ohio. Um, school has all kinds of just awesomeness going on. You got kids getting free bikes and helmets. Um, I think they have like, uh, I want to say it's like a GED program for the parents. GED and job placement. Um, yeah, job placement, like, a lot of awesome things. And, like, I think one of the perks was, like, uh, if you graduate and go to University of Akron, you get, um, like, guaranteed free tuition. Um, so just a lot of – he's just doing a lot of awesome things. Um, so whether or not, you know, how you feel about him on the court is one thing, but off the court he's using his platform for, for something great, and I, I think that's awesome. Um, and I actually just saw an article uh, posted about 20, 30 minutes ago. Um, he uh, has a partner deal, or he's doing something with Showtime. Um, he has a three-part documentary series come out, <laughs> which is called Shut Up and Dribble. Um, which, if you guys know any tips LeBron's been in, you you may know where that uh, title came from. Uh, but he's he's got that coming out. Um, so, yeah, shout-outs to LeBron James for just doing a lot of awesome things off the court, really using this platform for something positive, um, and helping, like, at-risk kids, too. Like, this isn't a school just for, like, you know, privileged kids or kids who can afford it. Like, these are for 
at-risk youth, like the people who really need the help the most, are going to be able to Kids get it. Like LeBron, so that, who just don't, who just, you know, don't turn into like six ten, ridiculous athletes. Right. So that's that's just this is really really awesome to see. So, uh, yeah, my my shout out is to LeBron. <clears throat> Who's next? Uh, I'll go. Um, well, for sure, for starters, shout out to, uh, to Vivian Obinoff. Um, she knocked out uh, Natasha Jonas, who was a former UK boxing team member. She was part of that small uh, group of like British uh, women's boxers who were uh, really on the come up, like her, Nicole Adams, Chantel, uh, was it Chantel Cameron? Uh, yeah, like small group, all being like they're all on these like undercards for like these big fights, and they're being built up. So, <clears throat> you know, this Bra- uh, this Brazilian woman, uh, Vivian Abanov, uh, she actually fought. Um, Who she fight? She fought Katie Taylor and Chantal Cameron Moss. So you know, she was kind of just like the setup woman, or you know, the opponent. But she went out there and she knocked out Natasha Jonas in the fourth round. Actually, got the corner to throw in the towel. Um, really big upset, probably the biggest in like this. Uh, I'm not gonna say the biggest in the history of um, women's boxing because there've been some bigger ones, but one of the bigger upsets of the year, um, just from like a um, a narrative perspective. So shouts to her. Um, I already said shouts to Alvarez. Um, you know, I'm, I'm gonna throw shouts to all the all the because you mentioned LeBron, let's go shout out to all the celebrities out here help, trying to help kids go to school. Um, celebrities, uh, particularly uh, like Derrick Rose just threw down $400,000 um, to send a bunch of high schoolers through college. Um, 21 Savage, uh, I'm, not, I'm not even a fan of his music, but the dude um, hooked up an entire city, I can't remember where, with like, um, Backpacks and school supplies. So you know, he, he's out here doing uh, work in the community. Uh, Alimale McFarlane, um, she's out here sent, uh, helping young girls in Hawaii and Central America get like scholarships to go to school. Uh, Destin Poirier, who was a week ago handed out like 500 backpacks um, uh, down in Louisiana. Like anybody out there trying to make a positive change, just shouts to you. So that's all I got. Okay, so I'm up. Yeah. <clears throat> I'd like to first start with a shout out to uh, Pennsylvania State Troopers for keeping what? our keeping our, for, <laughs> keeping our keeping our highways safe from dangerous speedsters. <laughs> Wow. Um, you know, a lot of people oh. out there who are inconsiderate and reckless trying to cause problems. Wow. So, just want to start with them. <laughs> On the, are you right? No. You're right? All right. Uh, <clears throat> sure. Okay. Uh, <laughs> just waiting for you to calm down. Uh, on the same, on the same vein of what you were talking about, John Jones just recently uh, did the same thing, donated a bunch of school supplies to Robert F. Kennedy Middle School in Albuquerque. So once again, good on him. Same for Dustin Poirier. Same for anybody trying to make the smallest 
difference they possibly like not not necessarily aiming to make the smallest difference but aiming to make any difference big or small uh in our crazy chaotic world um dustin poirier i believe is auctioning off his fight shorts for i can't remember what it is off the top of my head but he's uh he normally does this sometimes it's the last one that i remember was for uh like a cop who had gotten killed in louisiana so um the good fight foundation it's also to buy uh, school supplies so i like it I like good stuff and um parting shots i kind of really don't have one i feel like i kind of lost my mind with rogan a little bit politely respectfully uh people who speed you know thumbs down to them <laughs> uh, you know i don't know why stogues isn't here hopefully he's okay and all is well but if he if he skipped out to not take his medicine then <laughs> finger wag to him <laughs> little finger wag there Little, see what you're doing, pal. <laughs> um, I don't think Stokes has ever been on the show after like a TJ Dillashaw win. I, I you know, yeah, I, but you know, we don't know what's going on. I don't want to. I don't want to disparage the poor guy. I'm, I mean, he explicitly stated that he wouldn't come on. If I I don't remember that. I don't remember that. <laughs> I, exactly. I see. Yeah. <laughs> Stokes, Stokes, you were still the most beloved member of the DTP, and uh, but shame disappointment no no bonus night for you no bonus of the night <laughs> um other than that just again say it every time i'm here gonna repeat it for the next time be nice to people and always try to make the people in your lives happy and be the best you can to do the best you can to be the best you can because we got a lot of people who are just trying to be the bare minimum as it pertains to being a human being so always try to be good and uh, go above and beyond. Re re raise the bar. Absolutely. Make sure that every person, make sure you attempt to better the lives of everybody you come across. Don't speed, you know, because dangerous. <laughs> don't don't drive while asleep. I'm sorry, I can't hear you. I'm 30 miles up the road. <laughs> I see. I see. All right. All right. Understood. Uh, I don't have a wrestling story. There's no wrestling story to end it on. So that's it. Oh, and uh, I suppose if I do have a one last uh, parting shot, don't be that guy who wants to see. Don't be the guy who wants this Covington Woodley beef to be political. Please don't. MMA is not nuanced enough for that. So I mean, Woodley and well, Covington uh, are nuanced enough for that. How dare you? <laughs> More dare Covington you. than Woodley, but oh. I. I, I but, uh, and I guess we do have to, uh, you know what? Let's let, let's be honest. Good for Colby Covington visiting the White House because I want this to be a practice that continues regardless of who the president is. So, regardless of who's in office, I want UFC champions to be represented among the elites of the sporting world. So, I don't care if you go. Yeah, uh, no, it doesn't. It doesn't <laughs> impact me. It's not going to impact my life personally. Just. If you want to do it. I yeah. want them to be. I want I want as many champions going to the, going anywhere and being represented for their accomplishments, even if your well, accomplishment is an interim title. Well, he's not the interim champion where he's been stripped. Nah, he's. Oh not. yeah. He's been stripped. He he is lying. <laughs> you don't have to be 
here's the thing about that. They don't have to strip him. Like, if you, if he's just the number one contender, just let him keep it. Like, you're not going to defend the belt. <laughs> so you just get, like, a participation. Maybe just hold on to it. It's a number one contender trophy. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, oh, try to, always try to be better. And uh, to all you folks getting prepared for your next semester of college or whatever, good luck. Good luck. I'm out of yeah, the way. Yeah, you know. <laughs> good luck because it sucks. It really right. does. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, man. Thank you guys for listening. Um, it was a long one, but it's a lot lot of gems, a lot going on. It's a pretty awesome card, so it was worth it. Um, but I'm really hungry. Same, actually. And I have one to go, uh, go solve that issue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you guys once again for listening to the Dojo Talk podcast. As always, anytime people are being punched and or kicked in the face, we will be there to talk about it. And we will catch you guys next time.